Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast on your Tuesday morning. It is four past six, Morena Israel. Morena Ricardo Borg, Morena to you all out there tuning into SENZ this morning, getting closer and closer to that time of the year, Christmas, festive season. I know for many of us, it's probably already started. Ricardo, are you feeling the... The festive season already, you're getting barbecues invited over to events and plenty going on at this time of the year. Yeah, plenty going on, mate, plenty going on. I've got uh, I've got catch-ups lined up Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> so no rest for oh, the wicked. No rest for the wicked. Yeah, it's a big week in our household as well. Uh, got a uh, wedding anniversary today. So Happy anniversary. Be, uh, Happy anniversary, and then Daisy's birthday Thursday into uh, a big weekend ahead. So, yeah, it's that time of the year. Everything creeps up on you, and uh, I've got so many jobs that I need to tick off around this house, and I'm a little bit nervous. I'm a little bit nervous today, uh, Ricardo. I'm going to be attempting probably my biggest job that I've ever had to do around this uh, life sentence block. Uh, what are you doing? Okay, okay. So I'm going Come to on. attempt to reseed a bit of my lawn. Okay. So I've got to <laughs> cut it out. <laughs> and the, 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 the reason why I'm reseeding a bit of my lawn is because uh, when you live out in the rural, a lot of weeds fly in from the, the paddock, so you get a lot of weed through the lawn, and I'm... Trying to attempt to have fine fescue in my lawn, but it's got a few weeds. So I sprayed it a while back. Well, I didn't. Mark Shaw and the team from Peachy Wrightson have helped me out. Thank you, team. Um, and it's killed off a lot of the grass. So I've got to go hire a lawn scarifier, a dethatcher, and I've got to dethatch this uh, area that has been affected, get rid of it, um, buy some topsoil, lay it, rake it up, level it. Then go put lawn seed through it, and then uh, rope it off and try and keep the dogs and the, and the children off it. And the birds. And attempt to grow it back. And, well, it was only a small job, but it, the small job's turned into a big job. Because a few years ago, I talked about my horrible uh, ability to go out with the sprayer. Mm. Well, I've done it again. I went around the edge of the lawn, and I sprayed the weeds in the garden. Well, it was a bit windy that day, so there's a big, like, snake pat- pattern along the side of the house where I've <laughs> killed off a bit of the grass. So I've got to go back, and uh, the small job has turned into a major. So uh, that, that'll be me this morning, heading down to Kenna and give me a thatcher and uh, so, getting into it. And then tomorrow I'm going to hire a trailer, uh, tractor and mow the paddock. So I've got a big few days. Yeah, massive few days. So, yeah, I mean, we, we we take the piss out of you being country clueless, Izzy, but you actually live on, you know, as you call it, a life sentence block. Me, no idea. So when you say a dethatcher, I've got, I'm like, what does a dethatcher do? Uh, so it's a, it kind of looks like a mower. And that's about as far as I go. Okay. Any uh, lawn enthusiasts out there, let us know. <laughs> any, any words of advice for me? Because I've got this information on an email, step by step by step, what I should be doing. And I'm going to go through it and I'm going to attempt it and, and see uh, see how it all eventuates. But um, that, is, that is me. So it's a mower that rips up all the... The deep grass, all the the weeds, and then you go through, you rake it off, put topsoil down, and you're trying to make a a seed bed 
for the grass to germinate and get through. But you've got to go from north to south, east to west, and you've got to do it in all these directions to allow it to, to germinate. So, look, we'll have an attempt after this, and I've got a big morning ahead of me, and I'll probably get frustrated as hell and be half by Harry and slowly tick it off. But that's me. I'm can, nervous. Can, can we just can we get Daisy just to film some of this, just so we can watch you in action? <laughs> uh, look, I will. I will take a bit of footage while I'm doing okay. it. All right. Um, yeah. Look, I've been doing a lot of googling, YouTubing, yeah. and just trying to get on top of everything. <laughs> and then I've got to go through and uh, fertilize it. So I've got a big couple of days ahead and then paddocks. I sprayed the paddocks yesterday, so only time will tell whether I've sprayed the right patches and I've got more um, reseeding to do, but we'll see. That is me this morning. Right, okay. Big country clueless coming up. Big country clueless coming up. And and you mentioned too, Daisy's birthday, a uh, couple of days, wedding anniversary mm. today. Are you sorted? Or are you leave it to the last nah. minute guy? Nah, nah, look, I try to go. And, oh, no. and, a, and a shout out to Megan. A shout out to Megan, one of our good uh, long time listeners. She gave me a great idea. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that idea hasn't eventuated, so I've left it two days out. I've, I went yesterday to go um, have a look at for something. I took my son, he stayed home, his cousin's here. And well, when we got there, I'm sick. So we had to shoot off straight away. So today, or most likely tomorrow, is the day where I'll go get something. Right. Uh, yeah. I try to th- pull the old thoughtfulness, and she goes, yeah, but thoughtfulness is like three weeks out, organised already, not two days out. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> well, thought, the thought that counts. <laughs> thought, you, you're getting mixed up with thoughtlessness. There you go. There's, there's <laughs> thoughtlessness. <laughs> yeah, so big week ahead. A big week ahead, big show ahead as well. Coming up on the show after uh, 7 o'clock, Dan O'Hagan out of the UK, football commentator, covers uh, the Bundesliga, the Champions League, the last round of Champions League group stage matches start tomorrow. We'll get his uh, take on those. Maya Lewis, uh, former White Fern as well, been doing a bit of coaching of late. She's going to join us around 7.40 to preview the White Ferns ODI series against Pakistan. First match underway today at 10.30 with live coverage right here on SENZ. And then Paul Cole, fine Finally, the very elusive Paul Cole <laughs> after 8 o'clock as well, is it? Yeah, looking forward to, to having a chat to Paul Cole. Obviously winning the New Zealand Squash Open alongside his fiancée, Nelly Gillis. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it. He's been a busy man. He's got the team's event coming up in the next week or so. And then he's on a break. I think he's got a stag dude coming up. So he's got plenty happening. He's getting married next year and he's in the country for a few weeks. Um, so I'm going to catch up with him on the 20th, I think, down here in Christchurch. But we'll have a chat to Colsey. And there's plenty going on in the Champions League as well, mate. Pretty um, crucial day. A lot of permutations that uh, could be at play throughout this Champions League. Top 16 coming up just around the corner. I think the match is Man United Bayern Munich. And I know you're a United fan. Can they get it? If they win, well, they go through. If they lose, see you later, isn't it? Well, yeah, they, they, can't, they have to beat Bayern. And then they mm. have to hope that the other two teams in the group, Galatasaray and Copenhagen, draw with each other. Right. Um, but, yeah. the, but the reason we're getting Dan on is because he, he does so much work on the Bundesliga. He works on that every week. Yep. And Bayern, you know, the Germans are uh, giants of German football. I think they've won the Bundesliga nine years straight. Mm. On the weekend, got tipped up 5-1. By yeah, Eintracht. I saw that. So uh, we'll see what, what's going on there. 
we'll see what's going on there and get his take on that. But let's get into this. Round it's one, triple threat, the three big questions of the day. Uh, and news out yesterday, Solomon Alamalo is off to the Tigers. Ooh. And we've also got talk going on. Tyrone Thompson's going to ditch rugby and go to the Knights. Join his brother Leo. Hugh Renton, a lot of whispers about Hugh Renton going to the Dragons. Mm. NRL clubs ramping up union targets with cap relief from the NRL. Is this all yeah. on Hamish McLennan? Has Hamish McLennan actually done <laughs> Australian rugby a favour here? Nah, he's done nothing. He's just absolutely ruined it, isn't he? Um, oh, you could say there's a fair case. He started the war, and the war is well and truly underway. And this is just a start, really. Solomon Alamalo, great opportunity for Solomon. Like you think, 2016 when he was playing for the Chiefs, he was probably the best, one of the best players in Super Rugby. Playing fullback, it's a stellar year. Went close to actually cracking the ABs. I know he was in conversations for that. Uh, and then lately just struggled a little bit with mental health, tried to go revitalise his career down at uh, the Southland Stags, Canterbury, um, saw glimpses of where his game's at. I think this is a fresh start for Solomon, and I I think he'll particularly go well in the game of league, I feel. If he gets a lot of space, where is he going to play? Probably full-back wing, chuck him out there on the outside. He's got speed to burn. He's got a wonderful footwork. Um so yeah, that's a great move for him. I just if his if he's got his mental headspace healthy and he's and he's ready to rip in, I think this will be a great move um, f- for him. And this is just a start, really. Tyron Thompson, his brother's playing in the league, his twin. Um, it's probably going to do a lot of convincing from from that side to get him over to play. And then Hugh Renton, that came out of absolutely nowhere. Hugh Renton, he is made for rugby union. He is very good at the breakdown. There's no breakdown in the rugby league. I can see him being an enforcer, carrying the ball hard, offloading, tackling all day. So he might be one of those real workhorses in the middle middle of the park. Um, but this is only the start, Rick Dog. I feel. <laughs> this is just opening up the the horizon for rugby players. You know, all it's going to take is that someone to make that step. Solomon's done that. You have to say there's a triple on it, triple effect. Yeah, exactly. And it's all on Hamish McLennan, isn't it? Mm. It has to be. <laughs> and now he's sitting back, drinking his cup of tea, enjoying it. Yeah, just watching the shit show. Uh, Aaron Woods <laughs> and Campbell Graham were among a group of NRL stars on show at the Raiders-Vikings game yesterday. Got plenty of airtime as well. Check this out. I'm with Aaron Woods and Campbell Graham, and I'm going to start with you, Aaron, because... Football. We've watched international fans fall in love with the sport because the NFL has been playing games in other countries. It's your turn now. How are you going to get Americans to fall in love with rugby? I think the Americans love the collision in sport, and you know Vegas is the entertainment capital. We want to bring the main game for Australia. That we love, we love doing it back home. And then there's no helmets, there's no pads. We're just in there to make collision, and then just get the fans pumped up like they are today. Good luck following that, Campbell. How are you going to pump up America? Yeah, I think uh, we're just going to try and get out here and bash each other, really. Um, but, yeah, we want to come out here and entertain. And I think we've got the product to do that. So I'm really looking forward to coming back here in March and putting on a show. Well, speaking of putting on a show, I want you guys to look at the monitor for a second because this is the play that has been dominating the NFL this year. The tush push, the bum push. I don't know what you guys call it. I should have asked you that. But 
our big debate is, is that the quintessential football play or a rugby scrum? Which one is it? Oh, I would call it a rugby league scrum, you know, but the only thing is you can't push and you can't have the ball at the back. You've just got to push, get your heads in, get the collision, and then just let them go out the back and pass, let the pretty boys do all the work. I can't wait to see how this place is going to be filled with rugby fans. I'm already fired up about that. So there you go. That was uh, that was on Fox Sports in America. They did a bad, and they did a, a, about a two minute lead into that. I mean, is he, there's probably a bit of debate of whether or not American fans watching that could actually understand anything Aaron Wood said. But uh, do, you, do you think the US will embrace rugby league? It's great promotion for the game. You know, you want the biggest sport in America getting those two players, Campbell Graham and Andrew Aaron Woods, on the on the show on the panel to to promote it. Um, I think it will go well. I think uh, people will love it. Americans love sport and they love, uh, you know, new ideas, new formats coming over to America. Like I just speak from experience when we played in Chicago for three years, Ireland, USA at Soldier Field, Soldier Stadium. It was um, it was a sellout every week, and the, the American fans. But you got to exp- you got to understand there's a lot of Irish expats over there and. So whether Las Vegas is the right venue to take a game, Sevens is slowly thriving and growing in America. I don't think it's going to be all guns blazing from the outset, but they're going the right way about it, and the best thing is you've got to start somewhere. And I think Americans will love it. They'll probably call them crazy, mad, because they don't have pads and helmets, because that was all the conversations we got when we played rugby over there. Um, yeah, so to start, I think they'll enjoy it. Round three. Kerry O'Keefe, the skull they call him, famous Aussie uh, cricket commentator, has revealed his disappointment at the lack of love shown for cricket in the lead-up to this summer. Here is what he said yesterday. I want us as a nation to have cricket available more and more because we've deep down lost our love of it. Uh, I don't want to be talking about Adam Fanua Blake in November. You know, I, I don't care whether it's seen as our national sport or not. The nations that rise in cricket are those that are absolutely passionate about the game. India, for a start, they're the juggernaut. And we're talking about Adam Fanua Blake. You know, will the dragons get the spoon? Who cares in November? Come on. That's what Kerry O'Keefe had to say. Uh, he's worried about Australians falling out of love of the game, but got me wondering, Israel, mm-hmm. do you think Australians are falling out of love with the game because most of their players are pretty unlikable? <laughs> uh, I, I know, seriously here, because if yeah. you think about it, yeah. the last few years, you've had Sandpaper Gate, right? Mm. David Warner, Steve Smith come out of that looking like absolute chooks. You've had Pat Cummins, the captain of the team, staging a coup against the coach, Justin Langer. You've had Mitch mm. Johnson getting stuck in a Cummins and Warner. You've had Mark Wall calling for Cummins to be sacked as as the captain. Glenn Maxwell, yeah. after they got knocked out of the World Cup and didn't make the semi-finals, the T20 World Cup last year in Australia, said, "Oh, it doesn't mean anything." Simon O'Donnell and Michael Clark have both called it a very un-Australian team. And then on top of that, you got the pricing that continues to go up. So, I mean, even Australians don't like Australian cricketers. Yeah, I think that plays a part for sure. These are the role models that, um, you know, you want your kids to to enjoy the game and why the reason why they watch a game, that has to be a part of it as well. But accessibility is probably the biggest thing. Uh, the the competition from other 
other unions, other franchises, other sports that's taking place. Like we've got our same problem here with Super Rugby, and they had a big meeting, whiteboard meeting yesterday, uh, trying to f- build fan engagement. The reality is, is fans uh, have lost the starving effect that they used to have back in the day because accessibility or ability to be able to watch a game is just so much easier now mm. with with TVs, social media, and and so on. They just get sport and all sport in their faces every single day. So they've just got to come up with ways to try and um, draw these fans back to the game, you know. And what, what does that look like? What, what do the fans need? Because I've written a few things down, and I'm just trying to speak you know, from my behalf of Super Rugby here. Like, fans are the biggest reason why we play this game. Mm. They bring a lot of engagement. What do they need? I'm speaking from a Super Rugby point of view. What do you want from the fans' point of view? Like they spoke about fan engagement as the number one priority, but what is that? What does that look like? We've got a new CEO uh, with a marketing background coming in to be a part of the Super Rugby new board. What does that look like? What does it? What does he need to do? All that or she need to do to be able to to do this? So there's just so many factors for why people are switching off to sport because there's a lot of sport, and some sports are doing it right. Some sports are doing it poorly. And you'd have to look in the mirror if you're a Cricket Australia, if that is the case. Because in the mirror is New Zealand Rugby, Australian Rugby, and potentially a- another union. They're looking in the mirror trying to wonder how do we stop this, this drain. Yeah, mate, that's a very good point. I did, I did have a look back because I was reading a bit about the, uh, cr- the T20 Cricket World Cup that Australia hosted mm. a year ago. And uh, they were charging 100 bucks a ticket to go to a T20 game. Right, See, that's is, not on. Which is... Nah. And, and then I saw this stat. These are the crowds. SCG, what does that hold? About 55,000? For, yep. for the Aussie game, this is Australia playing these games. Australia playing New Zealand at SCG, 20,000 empty seats. Playing Sri Lanka and Perth, that holds 60,000. They had 25 there. Playing England at the MCG, we know that holds 100,000. 100, and playing the Poms, 37,000. They didn't even release yep. the figures for how many were at the Gabba to watch them play Ireland. And in Adelaide, which was one of the only games Australia played in Adelaide, mm. again, that's a 55,000-seat stadium. They only got 18,000 there. There it is. It's too, it's too expensive for these fans to go and watch and sit at a stadium with your kids at a pretty, um, pretty nice time of the day as well during cricket. It's middle of the day. Prime opportunity to take your kids down, but the reality is it's too expensive, cost of living. And why should I do that if I could just flick up my phone and watch it on my phone? Yeah, and then you you've know, also broadcasting's yeah, broadcasting's important, but we still need people at these stadiums. And for them to sit there and go, oh well, we'll just have an empty seat instead of going and releasing, doing a promotion, walking around to the community, going on a bus, taking a couple of buses to the community with tickets and saying, here, would you like to come to the game? But nah, they'd rather have an empty stadium. And you know, on top of that, you have. Uh, former players mm. basically telling you that the current players aren't good blokes, which I don't think is a great look, you know. I mean, they might be right, yeah. but it doesn't certainly doesn't help. Yeah, and that doesn't help for sure. The comments over in, in Australia, this is Australian cricket. Like, they've just gone through a golden period. It's probably similarities to New Zealand rugby. Like, there's, there's a time when things are going great guns and then people get comfortable and you aren't able to build on that and uh, innovate and find, come up with ideas to keep drawing the crowds back. And then you're at a situation like New Zealand with Super Rugby, and you've got to plan, start from step one. 
to rebuild. It's too late. Australians, I've seen it. They need to start doing something about it. Mm, they do. All right, there you go. That is our triple threat. Can you hear your thoughts on that as well? Double eight, double three. Uh, the Australian cricket team. Um, Kerry O'Keefe saying the public's fallen out of love with the game. Is it down to the players uh, being unlikable? What do you make of uh, the drain all of a sudden going to the NRL out of rugby? And do you think that the NRL will be embraced by the US crowd when they take the opening round games there uh, next year? Double eight, double three is our number. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this summer. 0800 150811 or is how you get in touch with us. That is the Temper Bedpost text machine. Temper and Bedpost range of mattresses and adjustable bases adapt to the exact shape of your body so you can put your head and feet up in comfort. And uh, we also have a chemist warehouse uh, packed giveaway, fragrance packed giveaway. Got one each day this week for best text of the day. Chemist Warehouse, the real house of fragrances this Christmas. And all at unbeatable prices and I might have got you, well, Dino might have got you off the hook, is he? Mm. He's saying... Yeah, is he? You got it. Dethatching, usually done in September, October, <laughs> when there's growth. Mm. Now, growth is stopping. Should next be done in March? Cheers, Dino. Ah, Dino. Uh, unsure, mate. That's what I've asked. <laughs> unsure, but I've been talking to my guy. He reckons it should be fine. I've got uh, irrigation and water and there's sunlight, so I've just got to get it done. He reckons it should be okay. Um, I sprayed it. Just got to get all out of this, get rid of all this this old grass and weeds, and uh, get into it. So I'm gonna, yeah, okay. I might have to ask for some help. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Any more advice? Keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's Don't confuse in- me. <laughs> I can feel a country clueless coming on tomorrow. Kubota's in stock catalog is out now. Bunnings Trade, helping you power through to the end of the year. Here's some sports headlines for you. And uh, it's uh, ongoing, and it's ongoing efforts to speed up the pace of play in international cricket. The ICC is introducing a stop clock on a trial basis for full member men's ODI and T20 matches. Um, that starts this month, goes through till April next year, the trial. It'll start with the first T20 match between the Windies and England on the 12th, uh, which is today our time, but tomorrow I think their time. Uh, The stop clock will restrict the amount of time taken between overs, meaning that the bowling team will need to be ready to bowl the first bowl of their next over within 60 seconds of the previous over Mm. being completed. Failure to do so for the third time in an innings following two warnings will result in a five-run penalty being imposed on the fielding team. Yeah, I love it. A little bit of innovation, trying to speed the game up. It can get pretty pretty tedious um, during overs. You know, players running on, drinks break, players just wandering back, uh, captains going up to the bowler, having a, a chinwag, absolutely talking nothing about the game, just trying to change momentum. I love it. A little bit of innovation there to keep the game moving, and yeah, it's the biggest question with, with rugby at the moment. How do we keep the game moving? Mm. Cricket has, has found out a way, which will, which will speed it up. Mm. I think rugby's similar. With we've already got the shot clock for kicking. I'm sure there's going to be should be some shot clocks for for other uh, moments in the game as well. Yeah, and that um, baseball are also doing that as well. Like in, in mm. the time between pitches, Robbie, how do you think uh, we, should, we should go to the cricket desk for this? Is he, uh, Robbie? Mm. Uh, how do you think this will affect things in terms of field placements, all that sort of stuff? They're going to have to be more organised, basically, aren't they? Yeah, organized. for sure. Mm. Um, I think it'll be really interesting. Um, and yeah, the big thing for me is just going to be. 
well, paying attention and seeing how it goes because I mean, yeah, I need, I need to read up on it. I'm sure there's there's been um you know a fair bit that's gone into planning it, but we just need to make sure you know the time is right. You know, the last thing you want is to you know have people sprinting around and they're like, oh, it's actually affecting the game more than it's helping it. So I think it is a good thing overall. Um, I just think yeah, we we need to find that perfect kind of area between affecting the game and helping it. Yeah, might, they might have to stagger it for the Masters League, right? So it's, instead of 60, it's like 90 seconds because they'll just take that yeah. long to get there. Yeah, and you just got to be pre- prepared. Like international teams, professional teams, they have a week analysis. They'll be able to talk, talk about bowling um, plans against certain players and the fielders will have to come into those meetings and be a part of it. So look, if this... If, um, you know, Kane Williamson's batting. This is where we need to set the field to him. This is who's bowling to him. So you've just got to be prepared. I love it. It just puts a bit more accountability onto the players to be be ready, speed up the game, and and you know people want to see the people, the team, the game being played, not people running around like headless trucks. I remember I've been the, I've been that person down the boundary, and I'm constantly getting heckled to move, to move because you get distracted. <laughs> you just got to be on the game. SEN's tennis analyst Brett Phillips believes Nick Kyrgios may never play again. Faring over a year on the sidelines with injuries will ensure he can't return to top level. The former Wimbledon finalist played just once in 2023, attempting a comeback in June, but knee and wrist injuries proved too much to overcome. Last week he announced he would miss a second consecutive Australian Open. Phillips said the injuries have caught up with him. I actually think he's going to struggle to get back, to be totally honest. Juan Martín Del Potro couldn't come back from a wrist injury. Roger Federer couldn't come back from a couple of knee surgeries. The physical demands of the game, if you look at what's happened since Nick, has been largely inactive. Have uh, had the breed of talent that's come through, they're at a whole other level. It's sad, isn't it? He's not. He's got only fans, so he's all right. He's 28. It's only 28. Yeah. Yeah, I thought he was a bit older than that. Yeah. He'll make millions on OnlyFans. Oh, mate. Well, it's, it's commentary gigs. Eh? He, he actually comes across, he'll be quite, he'll be the next McEnroe in terms of commentators. <laughs> yeah. You know, I think, I think it's yeah. quite good. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the Eagles uh, lost 33-13 to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday. It's the second wow. blowout loss in as many weeks. And the sense in the visitors' locker room was that a defining moment of the season was upon them. This is what Fletcher Cox said, the Eagles' defensive tackle. Get your take on this, Izzy. I think the biggest thing for this team now is to really find out who these dudes are. I've been part of teams where dudes in the locker room do something about it, and I've been part of teams where it all kind of crumbles. And now it's time to see the real leadership, the real players, the guy that's elite on this team, myself included, step up and do something about it. Yeah, backs against the wall mentality, isn't it? Everyone's fine and dandy when things are going great, but but adversity creeps in. You see what happens. See what's happening with this this team. So yep, absolutely back foot from them. A little bit of a change in the guard in terms of the NFL because the Chiefs lost to the to the bull um to Bills. the Bills overnight. So Paddy Mahomes was but livid with that. Yeah, refereeing call again because it was a great play mm. that could have won them the game, and the referee called it back for something that. You know, Paddy Mahomes has said, we've never had these calls ever before. And usually you get a warning. They tell you, hey, if you're doing it wrong, warn you, warn you, warn you. No warning, no nothing. And they make that call in the last minute. And that's a match decider. So, yeah, interesting to see what will come out of that.
Catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN. Visit nfldazone.com forward slash NFL. Those are your sports news headlines. Bunnings Trade is here to help you with a new phone service, 134 Trade. Call 0800 134 872 for support on all things trade. And uh, Kenny from Canterbury has called through. Uh, Kenny, good morning to you, mate. You got some, morning, Kenny. You got some advice for young Israel. Oh, have you? Oh, uh, yeah, mate, potentially a wee, but I don't know. Um, what's going on, suppose? I've heard a bit about growth rates and irrigation and stuff. I thought you might have been talking about your head of hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kenny, the hair is fine, mate. You know that. Growth prob- no growth problems up top. Um, oh, just just a bit of weed is, is crept in, so I've, I've sprayed the lawn, and I want fine fescue to, to stay in the lawn, so I've sprayed it with a chemical that kills everything. But fine fescue, and there's this uh, spots out there that I've got to re-seed and, and sow, but I've got to go get a, a scarifier or the thatcher, something like that, to get rid of the bad grass and then reseed it. Oh, no, fair enough. Pop down to the gas station. Eddie uh, out there in a hotel will sort you out. Ah, beautiful, mate, beautiful. Oh, I know you're a fan about uh, everything engagement, mate, and Super Rugby has started this new, well, established this board, and about to hire their new CEO. Is this the way of going about it, mate, or too late? Can they save the game? I think they can save the game. Um, it's interesting you make the comparison with Australian cricket, and I don't really agree with it. Um, O'Keefe said something about Australians falling out of love with the game. I think that's pretty hard mm. to say when you've got the amount of people playing cricket over there that you do. Um, yeah. But over here, you've got falling rates of people playing rugby, so, yeah, there's a bigger issue, I think. Um, yeah. But you're right in what you're saying. You've got to get people onto the game. You've got to get fan engagement. That's the key. Fan engagement, competitive uh, competition, uh, the new CEO, inclusion of another union might be the way to go about it. Kenny, thank you so much for your call, mate. You have a lovely day. Merry Christmas. No worries. Sorry for the cheap shot. <laughs> nah, Never apologise for those, mate, bro. I Don't apologise <laughs> because... The reality is, you're so far off it. Don't make me take my hat off. <laughs> <laughs> He'll do it. Reminds He'll do me, it. I need a haircut. Oh, do you? oh, yeah, you bloody hippie. Look at your stadia. Um, <laughs> this is SENZ. Those were your sports news headlines. Thanks for your call, Kenny. We've got a love racing update coming for you. It is 19 away from 7 o'clock. It is 14 away from 7 o'clock and uh, it's time to catch up with uh, our good friends from Love Racing with all the latest news out of uh, the racing world. Loveracing.nz, your home of thoroughbred racing. What do you got for us, Izzy? Autumn plans revealed for Imperatries. There will be no Northern Hemisphere campaign for Imperatries next year with Tiako Racing Principal Dave Ellis revealing her looming autumn plans. The eight-time Group 1 winner, had a stellar 2023, winning all but one of her nine starts. Finishing runner-up in her only defeat in the Group 1 Canterbury Stakes in March. She was victorious on six occasions at elite level this year, including the G1 Railway, G1 BCD Group Sprint, the G1 William Reed Stakes, the Moyer Stakes, the Manicato Stakes, and the Champions Sprint. <laughs> Man, you'd love to be a part of that horse. She has subsequently spelled since, capping a perfect spring campaign at Flemington last month, has returned to work and has been set for an Australian autumn preparation with Tiako resisting the lure, the lure of Northern Hemisphere campaign. After careful consideration, the decision has been made that Imperatriz will resume 
in the G1 VRC Black Caviar Lightning Stakes at Flemington in February 2024. She remain in Australia for her autumn campaign, thus will we not be travelling to the Northern Hemisphere, Alice said. We have received a number, a number of international approaches and invitations and have worked diligently through the various options available to our special mayor. Our guiding principle is to always make decisions based on what is right for Imperatrice and her continued well-being and longevity, while maximising her further opportunities to win at the elite level. Once safely through the Lightning Stakes, Imperatrice will attempt to defend her G1 MVRC William Reed Stakes crown at the Valley and then contest the G1 ATCT Smith Stakes at Royal Bramwick in April 2024. She will then return home to Tiako Stud for a well-deserved spell. So there you go, Imperatrice fans, back in autumn starting February. How good? How good indeed. Featuring Peking Duck, Sir Dave Dobbin, Z in the Black Seeds book now at thegrandtour.nz. That is your love racing update. Plenty of texts coming through on double eight double three about our Super Rugby chat. Well, it started as a Cricket Australia chat, turned into a Super Rugby chat. Uh, <laughs> basically about what Super Rugby needs to do for fan engagement. And this one comes through from Paul and Harwater. Morning team, Super Rugby's too expensive. Can't take your own food or drink into the stadium. The stadium food is overpriced and crap, and the beers are unaffordable. I bought tickets for myself and my son to watch the Chiefs at Yarrow's. The promo on social media had Retallick, Smith, Kane, etc., but they were all rested for the game. My son wanted to see All Blacks play. I was lucky enough to win a sports week in LA watching ice hockey, baseball and basketball. All had entertainment. You could order food and drink from your seat and it was cheap. Super Rugby needs this to get fans on board. That's Paul and Hawara. It's a, it's a pretty damning uh, message from, from Paul. And, and heaven, the NBA have come out with rules and fines in regards to players missing games, et cetera, et cetera. And the, like the fine's astronomical amount of money. Yeah. Like they can all afford it. Well, I don't think New Zealand rugby are kind of on the same page. Well, I mean, it's New Zealand rugby dictating the to the teams to rest these players, isn't it, most of the time? Yeah. Yeah. And and rest is, is needed. You know, like you, you need rest, but some of it is could be avoided. And I feel for those young kids that have probably travelled two hours in a car to go watch the Chiefs play and Brody Retallick, Damian McKenzie aren't playing. Those are the, the players. So players engaged, player engagement, player accessibility and community gauge, engagement is probably the key factors. And affordable, affordable prices. Like you do not want to go pay 50 bucks each for a big family of four. That's 200 bucks, And then you've got to buy food on top. That's like a 350 weekend to go watch Super Rugby. Mm. Yeah, exactly. That's very expensive. It's really expensive. Uh, Joe's also mm. texted through, is he? Yep, Joe's message through. Morty and the team, fam engagement in New Zealand rugby does not exist. The NZRU have no idea how to attract new fans or even look after current fans. When you attend a supercars or NASCAR event, the fans walk up to tents set up by teams for you to meet and take photos with your favourite driver. Not with rugby? Move the games to smaller towns instead of playing in empty stadiums. Make the ticket and food affordable. Have ex-players set up around the grounds for fan interaction. Have a set area after game for fans to meet and take selfies with players. Move games to the afternoon so families can attend with kids. Think as a fan instead of a corporate entity. Just on that, so at the games, uh, when you're doing promos before the games, if you're not playing, basically you look after the bigwigs. So basically you head over, 
and you go to a paid corporate event, you do a Q&A, and then you come back over and you head up to the corporate boxes. And that's pretty much just saying what Joe's saying. You're looking after the corporate entity, the big wigs that pump a lot of money into the stadium, into the game, and you're forgetting about the small fish. Now, what I mean by that is there are times when I've had to travel around the, uh, you know, the, the food areas and go have, you know, little catch-ups around there, but probably getting more players that aren't playing into the stadiums, into the stands, being amongst the crowd, mixing them up, putting them into random seats around the stadium to encourage players and people to buy these seats. So imagine a promo like, if you sit at this part of the stadium, you'll be sitting with Samuel Whitelock. So teams could build their, um, sell tickets around these players. Spread them around the stadium. Yeah, it's a great idea. So they're idea. amongst the crowd, amongst the fans. So they're sitting amongst them and the kids can enjoy it. I know it'll probably be tedious from a player's point of view, but I think it'd be great for the, for the fan engagement. You know, having big super... If the players aren't playing, Dan McKenzie, Brody, Rattel aren't playing, put them in the stands yep. around, the, around the stadium with the, with the fans. Getting paid. Might as well do what you get paid mm. for, right? Seven away from seven. Your ideas on this. Double eight, double three, fan engagement for Super Rugby. How could it be improved? We want to hear from you. Double eight, double three, more of your texts after this. Couple of minutes away from seven, talking about Super Rugby and how uh, fan engagement could be improved and uh, get more people along to games. And Adam Fahey, a Kiwi living in the uh, UK, has got in touch with us via the app. He said, uh, fan engagement for me, make pre-game an event. Remember the days of going to the Crusaders games with the horses and the like? Mm. There felt like a real build-up vibe. NZR need to look at the Warriors and create entrances for each side, making the event a show, especially for that price. Got to change the food and beverage too, but maybe I'm lucky because I go to the Spurs new stadium where it's world class. And just on that, I had one of my best mates come and stay, Conrad from Hawke's Bay, and he went to the last Warriors home game last year. Yep. And he said, by far, the best event he's ever been to. He said, the Warriors do it so well. They've got all the lights, they've got good music, and he reckons hospitality was class, world class. It was so easy to go get a drink. The food was great. And this is for the Warriors. So they've made some adjustments. They've made some changes to, to what their fan engagement looks like. And they are just ticking all the boxes in the right way. Yeah, look at all the lights, those laser lights that go off before the game. Simple, but how good is it? It's a party. They love it. You can see from the fans why they really enjoy going to the Warriors. Yeah, and how many times did they sell over 20,000 tickets last season? I think just about every game. Heaps. Heaps. Just about yep. every game, yeah. There you go. Uh, keep your texts rolling through. Double eight, double three. Remember, we've got that Kimmins Warehouse fragrance pack to give away for our best text of the day as well. Coming up in the next hour, we're going to talk White Ferns cricket with Maya Lewis and Champions League with Dan O'Hagan. Here is Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. It's just gone three past seven on your Tuesday morning, coming your way, we've got Dan O'Hagan, football commentator out of the UK, commentates all the Bundesliga and Champions League. We'll catch up with him with the final round of group games of the Champions League kicking off tomorrow morning. We'll also catch up with Maya Lewis, a former White Fern and commentator as well. Uh, she's been doing a bit of coaching. Uh, too, for the uh, the uh, Māori uh, women's team uh, playing in the uh, Pacific Cup uh, over, well, not long ago actually now, so we'll get Maya on and 
have a chat to her about the White Ferns and how they can turn their form around after a disappointing T20 series against Pakistan. The ODIs start today, 10.30, uh, right here on SCNZ. You can hear commentary. That match is in Queenstown. We'll get Myers' take on where they are at at the moment. And uh, then after 8 o'clock, Paul Cole is going to join us as well. Our champion squash player will uh, have a chat to him and see how the last few days have been. Uh, and what was uh, a pretty special week for him last week at uh, Mount Maunganui Tauranga playing in the New Zealand Squash Open. Uh, it is Tradies Hour with Night and Day. You can start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 at your local Night and Day. And uh, we will chat now to Dan O'Hagan out of the UK uh, because the Champions League final group stages start tomorrow morning. Uh, morning to you, Dan. How are you? I'm pretty good, mate. Not bad at all. Excellent, mate. Excellent. Now, we've got uh, eight groups. Four of them kick off their last games tomorrow, New Zealand time in the morning, and then uh, the other four the following day, Thursday, our time. Uh, A lot on some of these games, on others, not so much. But I guess the big one tomorrow is Manchester United up against Bayern Munich. Manchester United needing to beat Bayern at Old Trafford. uh, And given recent form, that's no gimme. Uh, what do you what do you make of where United are at, and more importantly, what do you make of where Bayern are at after they lost five one at the weekend? Yeah, let's start with United. Um, obviously, the weekend uh, defeat to Bournemouth, the latest in a, a list of um, displays, performances, results, which have been uh, so far below the level of where that club ought to be. And without question, the pressure is on Eric Ten Hag. But you know, we've had this problem time and time again that. It can't be the coach because the guys have gone in there. They're no mugs. Mm. Um, mm. David Moyes, Louis van Gaal, Jose Mourinho, Eric Ten Hag. The situation can't be the coach every single time. So the players must look at themselves. And tomorrow night is an enormous game because obviously they take on Bayern, who've already qualified, but the two clubs have previous. Obviously, they're the most famous one, the final back in '99. And yeah, you can say, okay, Bayern got beat at the weekend, but the form United are in, you really fear for them. You know, that group is wide open for the second place. Um, Obviously, Galatasaray and Copenhagen um, just ahead of United, but it is there for them tomorrow night. But given the recent lack of performance, the recent lack of cohesion, um, even a Bayern who have nothing to play for, I don't see United winning tomorrow night. Uh, it is hard to see that. It's got to be said, Dan. They seem to be a team, United, that can put in a performance and you think, OK, uh, they've sorted things out and then the next game, uh, it, it's back to back to what we had before. I mean, I, I thought after the Chelsea game, that 2-1 win, uh, they'd found something. Uh, but then losing like they did to Bournemouth on the weekend, uh, it's, a, it's a head-scratcher, isn't it? I mean, you mentioned Ten Hag. Uh, how much of this changes when Sir Jim Ratcliffe takes over? Yeah, I, I think we are going to see in the next three or four months almost the end game at United where um, things will have to change because at the moment it's unsustainable. A club of that size should not be having the repeated failures and struggles they are. Um, and yet tomorrow night that they play Bayern, who you know you mentioned they got beaten at the weekend. It, it's not a Bayern who are playing anywhere near their best level either. Um, but as I say, I just do not see United at the moment being able to pull out a performance um, tomorrow under enormous pressure to win that game. So tomorrow night, I do fear for them. There is a bit, I guess, of a of a side story here because it was pretty well known that Eric Ten Hag wanted Harry Kane. Harry Kane wanted to move to United. 
and surprise, surprise, it didn't happen because of the glazers. Uh, well, at least that's uh, how it's been phrased. Um, do you think Harry Kane plays tomorrow, given that Bayern are through and, and what else is on the line? He's played a lot of games recently, Harry Kane. Obviously um, scored goals by the bucket in the Bundesliga, 18 in his first um, 12 games, which is a record in the Bundesliga. Um, and yeah, tomorrow night they've already qualified. They're already, what, eight points clear, so they can't be caught for first place. I think they will rest him. I think they'll probably play Eric Maxim Schupermutting from the start tomorrow, so give Kane a night off. Um, he was given the night off in the cup game they lost recently as well, so he's not played every match. And why risk, you know, your star asset in a game which for Bayern means nothing? But, you know, for Bayern, no game means nothing. They'll want to go there and give United a, a, a proper game. But I think they will, yeah, give Harry Kane a rest, at least from the start tomorrow night. What about PSV uh, taking on Arsenal in the group stages? Obviously, two quality sides. Will we see a competitive game out in this one? I think so, yeah. Obviously, Arsenal already the group winners, but um, mm. I, I think certainly, I think we've got two teams there. Um, PSV have, in that group, surprised everybody. You know, they've been, the, re- the last few years, I mean, save for Ajax in 2019, Dutch teams have not had a great recent run in the Champions League, but PSV this time have been a real revelation almost. Um, and of course, they need something. You know, they're only three points clear of uh, Lens, aren't they, um, in that race for, for second place? Um, but yeah, I think Arsenal will want to um, put on a display to finish off the group and kind of really show that they're back at the top table as well in the Champions League. So yeah, another game which I think will be um, great to watch and I'd probably lean towards Arsenal getting something from that. Well, this week will mark the end of the Champions League group stages as we know them. For next season, the competition will adopt the Swiss League format. Is that the right way forward? Are you you excited for for what next year holds from Champions League point of view? It's more games, so for commentators like me, it's, 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 it's good news. But having trying to get my head around it and how it works, mm. it, it takes a lot of, of working out because you're in a group, but you don't play everybody. Um, and you're in a league table where you're next to teams that you've not played or, or you know, will play in the future. So it, it, it's different. It's interesting. You know, it's UEFA's way of doing things. Um, I'm sure in time we'll all get used to it. It'll become the norm. But right now, you know, I'm a huge fan of the current format. I think, you know, four team groups, top two qualifying. Everyone is across that. We know what that means. This new Swiss format um, will take a lot of explaining, I think, as much as anything. Um, And obviously it is the future for, for UEFA, but it'll take, as I say, for the public, I think, a lot to get used to. Dan, no doubt you'll have a different uh, point of view on this when you're doing this cross from your new Ferrari after next season and all the extra games you get. Uh, but um, I get the kind of, my take on it as a fan is, it ain't broken, why are you doing this? I know, I know. I, I think I think UEFA obviously realised this competition makes them incredible sums of money. And there was a chance there to make more money and to expand and, and to make it um, an even bigger competition. Um I love, as I say, the current format. I think it's worked well now since the early 90s uh, with one or two minor tweaks. You're right, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But, you know, who knows? This may be a success. You know, we all have doubts about the UEFA Nations League and the Conference League. They've come in and they've been good competition. So this tweak in format, yeah, I mean, it might work. It, it might not. But, 
it is the future. We have to embrace it, I'm afraid. So um, love it or loathe it, it is coming in uh, next season and it's kind of going to be here to stay for a while, I think. Are they, are they future-proofing against another potential Super League break-off? That might be a factor, yeah. Obviously, we had a couple of years ago, you know, the big clubs in, in cahoots to try to get this breakaway um, to get a bigger slice of the pie. And that's it. It's, you know, more games, uh, more TV revenue, uh, more people through the turnstiles. Um, yeah, it's more, 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 isn't it? Um, whether that means quality football, the quality improves or is maintained, I don't know. Because, you know, you look at the Champions League the last couple of years, the quality has been absolutely incredible. Um, and you just hope that more games won't dilute that. Um, but, um, yeah, as I say, it's, it's happening. We can't change that. We've got to go on with it. Do have to get on with it, mate, and we we should get on and talk Group F because most of the other groups are reasonably well sorted here. But Group F, but going going into the Champions League was called the Group of Death: uh, Borussia Dortmund, PSG, Newcastle, AC Milan, and it's very much turned out that way. Uh, everybody's still uh, in. Well, I think Dortmund are the only ones that are fully qualified, but P- yes. PSG, Newcastle, Milan, AC Milan could all qualify or could all finish. Uh, out of European competition altogether after Thursday's games. Yeah, and the surprise for me is Dortmund. I mean, I see them a lot, and I did think they would be the team to finish last in that group, but Mm. they've got 10 points and they've qualified. Um, Newcastle, obviously, first time back in the competition after a long time away from it. Uh, Different club, of course, now as well with the Saudi money and uh, Eddie Howe in charge there. But for them, it was always going to be a steep learning curve. Um, and PSG, we know PSG, year in, year out, at some point, they will have a meltdown in the competition. Um, I didn't see them not getting past the group stage, but that obviously could happen this week. Um, but yeah, for me, the big surprise in that group was Dortmund, because no one thought in a group with them, PSG, Milan, Newcastle, they'd be finishing top. So um, amazing for them. But for the other three, it'll be a very uh, nervy night tomorrow night. Well, Dan, we know all the big names, all the big teams, your Bayerns, your Arsenal, your Real Madrid, your Barcelona, who have rested eight players this week because they're pretty much guaranteed to head through. Is there a dark horse in the Champions League who you think, take a look at, that could potentially eventuate into the, into the round of 16 and upset a few? Um, in terms of the teams who can go through this week, you know, I, I wouldn't say there's any great surprises um, there from um, the games coming up this week. But you, you look at um, Group D, Real Sociedad have been fantastic so far, a team who aren't really fancied to go mm. too far. They had a fairly kind draw, you know, in there with Salzburg and Benfica, who can be hit and miss, but Inter in there as well. And for them to get 11 points so far um, is, re- is really impressive. But yeah, I, I don't think there's uh, going to be a dark horse to, to win the thing. I think, you know, those days are gone. It'll be one of the traditional powerhouses who'll win the trophy come uh, come the end of the season. But, uh, yeah, no, the group stage always produces um, good football and, and mm. very few shocks these days because the powerful teams are so strong. It takes a lot to upset the apple cart. Well, one of those powerful teams at the moment that's struggling a bit, Dan, is Manchester City. They've only won mm. one of their last five in the Premier League. Uh, no Kevin De Bruyne, obviously, he's been out for a long period of time. Uh, Erling Haaland missed the last game against Luton and looks like he's probably going to miss until uh, maybe the new year. Uh, then old Jeremy Doku, who's been probably one of their standouts this year, is currently out. He's missed the last couple of games with a knock as well. I know Pep Guardiola likes small squads, but could this be coming back to bite him? 
Yeah, obviously, playing for trophies on so many fronts, you do need a, a big squad. And they have been lucky in previous seasons to kind of get through with not many bumps and knocks. But you mentioned the players there who are out or, or are facing absences. It's a big, big, um, um, you know, those are big holes to fill. You know, I'm just looking now at their games upcoming, obviously. Seravain has faced a Red Star Belgrade away. For them, it's a dead rubber for Man City. But beyond that, the games come thick and fast, you know, with the the Premier League games are over Christmas as well. So they will need those players back because, um, you know, the Premier League, obviously this season is very, very close and their defence of the Champions League is, is, is huge for them as well. So they want those players back as soon as possible. And they've got the uh, the Club World Cup to contend with as well. They've got to go mm, away to exactly. that before Christmas. So there's so many games demanded of this squad. Uh, do you think the Premier League, looking at it as it stands, we're going to have a title race come March? Yes. And, you know, you look at this season, you mentioned dark horses in the Champions League. Look at Aston Villa in the Premier League. You know, is it 15 successive home wins now? They're absolutely flying. And City only fourth in the table, um, which is amazing given um, what they've done in the last few years. But at the moment, it's a four-way fight. It, it could end up that way come March. Um, you know, Villa look terrific. Um, Liverpool look really strong. Arsenal as well. You know, and um, even Spurs, you know, the job Ange Postacoglu is doing there, the football they're playing, it could even be a five-horse race coming into the season. We'll have to wait and see on that front, mate, but it's exciting that uh, it's not one team running away with it. So that has got to be good news, Dan. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, have a good call tomorrow, eh? Pleasure, thank you. Cheers. Dan O'Hagan there with us, uh, Champions League and Bundesliga commentator, uh, giving us the lowdown. What do you think of that, is he? I mean, the uh, it seems to be... There's a bunch of teams that could win it this year. PSG have obviously lost a few of their big stars in Messi and Neymar. Uh, Man City got a few injury issues. It, it feels pretty open. Yeah, and it does feel pretty open. But I just uh, every comment we get in regards to Manchester United leads back to the ownership, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. That, that's the biggest question is like the, the coaching groups that they've had through this team, the players they've had at their disposal that haven't fired anything and they still struggle. Like, it just all goes back to the to the cultural problems from the ownership point of view. Like, no one wants to be there. They're getting paid, they're getting a check, and the results don't matter. And we're continuing on down this down this path. Yeah, Everyone's commenting on it. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, Gary Neville obviously comments on it a lot because he's a mm. passionate United fan who's also, you know, one of, football, uh, one of the leading pundits in the UK. Um, and he vehemently has stuck to the idea that regardless of how much money has been spent, it's, this comes back to the Glazers. He said, you know, as Dan pointed out, you've had Louis van Gaal, who's a top Dutch coach. You've had Jose Mourinho, who's won Champions Leagues. You've had um, that, uh, David Moyes, who won the Europa League last year with uh, West Ham uh, and things. You've had all these different coaches, and no one yeah. has been able to, uh, to get it right with with Manchester United, and he said again the other day that this all comes down to the owners, it's the Glazers, because they don't mm. want to be told what to do. So they don't yeah. have a director of football, they don't have any of that structure in there. Uh, and in fact, they've even, you've got to remember, these are American guys who don't know the first thing about football. I'm not, not saying that as a generalisation against Americans, but these guys don't. They own the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Mm. They're businessmen. Mm. They're not football guys, right? But they've, yeah, they've yeah. In, uh, uh, basically parked themselves within the uh, the football structure at the at the club. They've put money men in and not football men in. 
Uh, but even guys like Anthony Martial, who was bought, one of the Glazers, he's his favourite player. Jose Mourinho mm. wanted to sell him. Said he's not, he's not up to it. He's not up to it. He's not up to it. They wouldn't sanction Jose Mourinho selling that player because they liked him. He was their favourite player. So you've <sighs> effectively got billionaires playing football manager. Yeah, and I feel I feel sad for the for the players that have laid the foundations for this club and, and what it is today. The poor skulls, the, the the David, the David Beckham's, you know, the people that have Rio Ferdinand, you know, like everyone that has been a big part of the history of this club to get it where it is today. Why fans support this club like myself? You feel for them. Yeah. And and another one is is the value. The value of this club has been valued an astronomical amount of money. Surely that's taken a hit. Well, you His results count for, for something. Yeah, you would think so. But the Glazers, uh, all the power's in their hands, right? So they've mm. been offered, I think they were offered $4.5 billion for it by, mm. by that uh, Qatari sheik. He upped his bid to $5 billion, and they said, no, yep. we want six. They just kept basically, every time you made an offer that got close to what they were asking, they'd put their price up. So they're just taking the piss. Yeah, taking the absolute mickey out of a, a great team. That is absolutely struggling at the moment. And just on that new format, each side will play eight games instead of the current six, and there will be a new knockout play-off round introduced between the league stage and the last 16. So the new format, well, it ain't broken. Why are they doing it? Money. Money, <laughs> mate. You had you had the top teams in, in uh, Spain, the top teams in Italy, top teams in England, uh, PSG as well. Uh, and I think I don't know if any of the German teams signed up for it, but all talked about having a breakaway Super League. I think this is part of the reason they've done this. I don't like it, but I think that's why. I think there's a reasoning behind it, a method to the madness, if you like. Uh, there you go. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Let us know your thoughts on that. Double eight, double three. Want to hear from you? Uh, that's thanks to Chemist Warehouse keeping you healthy this summer. 7.26, you can get us anytime, 0800 150 or double eight double three. It's Tradies Hour with Night and Day. Warm up this morning with a hell of a coffee starting at $4.50 at your local Night and Day and keep your texts rolling through as well. Plenty of them to get through because we do have that Chemist Warehouse fragrance pack to give away each day for the best text of the day. You can get more gift for your dollar this year by shopping the range of big brand fragrances from Chemist Warehouse. Whether it's stocking filler or a main gift, then Chemist Warehouse has got you covered. Pop in store or head online today. Uh, and Izzy, uh, plenty coming through. Uh, Izzy, mate, uh, fan engagement, love the chat, but uh, what's your appearance fee to sit in the cheap seats? That one's from Matt. <laughs> I'll do it for free. If I'm at the game, I'll sit in the stands. I'll probably have to pay for my own ticket because that's reality when you retire and uh, and be in the stands. Oh, look, it was just an idea, and I know Sammy Whitelock will probably be messaging if he hears this to say that, he, what are you up to <laughs> sitting in the stands? But I don't know, it's just another idea just to throw out to get engagement because the reality is you get access to players with um, – well, how do I say it nicely? Probably no pull. Mm. And uh, the big stars, they go straight to the corporates. And that's just the reality of sport because you got to look after the corporates, but you got to look after the fans. And I know for a fact they have been starved because reality is they don't get access to these players only via social media. Um, so just an idea to try and keep them engaged. And uh, Izzy, your mate must have been in the corporate box. I was in the Eastern Stand. The food was overpriced and dried up. Crap on offer. The entertainment and build-up was fantastic, though. That is from Richard. The build-up and the way that the Warriors go about it is second to none. World-class. 
and you can understand the experience there. And the fan experience at the Warriors has been far better than the Super Rugby fan experience for years. You feel that they, NRL, actually value the fans. Unlike Super Rugby, we are you're made to feel like it's a privilege to be there. While well, you're used to getting ripped off while watching an inferior product that is from Rahotu. Yep, couldn't agree more. Yeah, there you go. Keep those texts rolling through, double eight, double three. And uh, we will uh, keep reading them out because we do have that Chemist Warehouse Fragrance Pack to give away to our text of the day and uh, plenty more coming your way. Also, I've got to get a shout-out to Auckland City FC too, Izzy. We mentioned in that awesome. uh, last interview with Dan O'Hagan, the Club World Cup. Well, the Club World Cup gets underway tomorrow morning and the first game is Auckland City FC. They are over there representing Oceania uh, and they play Al Etihad, who are one of the Saudi clubs. They've got N'Golo Kante, who won the World Cup with France, played for Chelsea. Mm-hmm. They've got Fabinho. Yep. Brazilian who played for Liverpool. Um, they've got uh, Jota as well who played at Celtic. They've got some big names in that team. So uh, Auckland City, they get over that hurdle, they're into the main draw. So uh, that's a big game for them kicking off 7 o'clock tomorrow morning. We, we've done uh, pretty well in this this competition, haven't we? When did we make, was it uh, round of 16 or quarters, semis? What yeah, did we make? Yeah, we, made the, uh, we made the semis. Made the semis, lost yeah. the semis, um, and that was, I think, uh, then won the playoff game, the third, fourth playoff. So ended up finishing third. And that was the, that's awesome. They, they won was, a bit of cash too. Eh? Yeah, lots of cash. Because I mean, for winning this first game, they get about half a million US, and then every game wow. you win after that, you get a million, and um, it's so, so there's big money involved. But I remember that because on the uh, podium at the end, Did they the players had get it. The gold, uh, some of it, because New Zealand football, the way that it, <laughs> it works, and they come through their competition, they had to split it. So half the prize money went to New Zealand football, that then got divvied up amongst the other clubs uh, in the comp. And then, yeah, et cetera. So then the players will get some of that. But, um, yeah, at the end of it, they have the golden ball, the silver ball and the bronze ball for the best three players at the tournament. Mm. Golden ball on the podium, Cristiano Ronaldo. Silver ball, mm. Sergio Ramos. Bronze yep. ball, third best player at the tournament, Ivan Vasilic. He stood there on the podium yes. with the three. That is one of those three. That is pretty amazing. <laughs> it would have been awesome. I remember we spoke to him about it a while back and had a chat about that, but he would have be a memory for a lifetime there, standing up on the podium with those rock stars. Oh, yeah. Oof. But if I remember it right, I asked him where it was, and he said he thinks his missus is using it as a doorstop, the trophy itself. <laughs> 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 yeah, bring them back down to ground zero, mate. Get out there, put the rubbish out. Yeah. Up, son. Off you go, off you go. It is 29 <laughs> away from eight. Here's Araha with the latest in news for Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now. 27 away from 8 o'clock here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Time for sports news headlines now. Kennard's Hire makes your job easy. Kennards.co.nz. Chiefs winger Solomon Alamalo is turning his back on Super Rugby to make a switch to the NRL. NRL club, the West Tigers, have officially welcomed him, naming him in their top 30 squad for the 2024 season. The 27-year-old outside back makes the leap from rugby union to league following stints at the Chiefs and Super Rugby and Canterbury and the NPC. Tigers coach Benji Marshall expressed the team's enthusiasm about the new addition, saying, We're very excited to have Solomon join the club. He's a very explosive athlete with great speed, power and agility. He will also add leadership and experience to our group and he is a man of great character. Mate, it's such a good signing. I'm, I'm happy for the bloke. I just, yeah, I hope it all goes well. And this is probably the start of, you know, that someone to take that first leap. You'd have to think the trickle-on effect probably going to 
start making waves over there in the NRL. But Solomon, he's got class. He's got a game about him. I don't know whether he's played any league growing up. There's a little bit of difference there. But from an athlete's point of view, I think he can transition really easily. Um, whether his head's good, hopefully time will tell. But I'm a West Tigers fan, so I'll be watching um, with interest. Hopefully he can go well. I mean, you have to think for Benji. This is a big year for Benj. It's a huge year. Huge year for mm. Benj and for the club, especially if they're going to back him. Because if it doesn't work, yeah. they could be left with a whole bunch of players that nobody else wants. So there is that mm. as well. But, I mean, Solomon, 99 kegs, 6 foot yep. 5. He's a big mm. unit. Big winger. Big wing. You know how important the crossfield kick is, putting the pressure on and on the goal line, going to your set of 6, kicking it over to, yeah, you know, your, your two pose for the Roosters. Mate, it's, it's going to work. You just throw it up. He's very good in the air. Um, man, I'm looking forward to it. Makes it for an exciting season. And this is probably the start. There's been Tyrone Thompson, rumours, Hugh Renton. You know, when the news was coming out yesterday, there was rumours circulating that it was some sort of all black. And I was thinking, wow, is it Geordie Barrett? Are we going to see Geordie Barrett make the shift? Because he's been in the headlines of Melbourne Storm. Well, you have to say, keep, keep harping on about it. This is the start. This is I'll just, see some more, I feel. It's just the start, mate. Just the start. Uh, Louis Oosthuizen overcame f- torn tendons in his arm and a nervy finish to win the Alfred Dunhill Championship on Monday. He carded a final round 69 for a total of 270 to finish two strokes ahead of rival Charles Schwartzel. It was the first success in five years for 41-year-old Oosthuizen, who started the final round tied with Schwartzel at the Leopard Creek Country Club. He tore those tendons on Friday, so he played... The rest of Friday, all of Saturday, and then the Sunday round with torn tendons in his arm. <laughs> well, actually, Sunday was rained out, so it was Monday that they finished that. Uh, well, being a golfer that I am, <clears throat> yeah. actually, when you have when you have a little in- injury, it actually slows your swing down, and you start playing for a little bit more tempo. Probably the same with, with Louis Ulster season. You know, he would have slowed his swing down, would have played a little bit more softly, if that makes sense, and, and hit it extremely well. When you're, when you're big and you're, you're trying to smash everything, get pretty erratic. Trust me, I know. Yeah, I was going to say, that sounds like experience. <laughs> uh, Netflix is going to live stream a tennis face-off between 22-time Grand Slam champion Rafa Nadal and current world number two Carlos Alcaraz on the 3rd of March. The Netflix Slam, it's been called, the company's latest foray into live sports after a celebrity golf tournament last November, which featured Formula One drivers and professional golfers. Uh, live sports streaming by big tech firms is growing viewership recent years, and companies are cashing in on the trend. Amazon Prime snapped up the rights to Thursday night football, while Apple TV hosts Friday night baseball and Major League Soccer. Sign of the Ooh. times, Israel. Yeah, and it's good. Netflix has, has got some good viewing at the moment, and you want to see more. That drive to survive was probably the start of um, of this little transition into sporting in the sporting world, and, and giving us a closer look into it. And then you got um, the first serve with the tennis. You got the golf one that they've just brought out when people were making the switch. Ian Poulter, I think they followed him when he was making the switch to LIV. It's such a good watch, and you, and there's no, I'm not not surprised that. These, these big industries or these big companies like Netflix and Amazon are making the shifts to get inside locks because people want to be want to be a part of it. you got the quarterback with the NFL, Patty Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, 
Marcus Mariota follows him around for a couple of episodes. It's such a good inside look. And that's what you want, fan engagement. Prime example right there. Can Hennard's... Can Kennard's hire change your life? No, but can they make your job easier? Can oath they can? Just ask Izzy. Uh, Kennards.co.nz. When we come back, Maya Lewis joins us to talk some cricket. We're 17 away from 8 o'clock. You're on Izzy and Kempe for breakfast. That is, of course, a tradies hour with night and day. You can start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50. Former White Fern, Maya Lewis, joins us now because we are going to talk White Ferns. They took on Pakistan in the first of three ODIs today from 10.30 in Queenstown. Now, morning, Maya. How are you doing? Oh, kia ora. Uh, really good. A little bit cold and windy down here, but hopefully we'll get a game in and uh, the rain will stay away. Yeah, now the uh, if we if we if we can, that would be great because uh, the team really need to, to pick up some results, don't they? I know they, they won that last T20, uh, but it was a bit of a shock them losing that to Pakistan, the first series that they've lost to a subcontinent team in New Zealand. Yeah, indeed. Look, I think it just shows the gap listening and listening and I think, you know, the White Ferns obviously are still, you know, 10, 15 years behind Australia, England in terms of, you know, becoming professional. And so it's all sort of catching up with them. But um, it's a good challenge for them. I think they are probably a better one-day side. Um, and, you know, there is ICC points up for grabs with these uh, one-day games as well. So there's a little bit more on it. So I'm sure they'll be up for it. Maya, thanks for joining us. What, what needs to change to get us over the line this time around? Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Um, look, I think all the talent there—you can't, you can't say the talent. They're probably the right people were there. Um, I can't see the only one I can probably see who's performing day in day out who's not there is Lee Kasparik. Um and obviously Rosemary Mayer had a really good. Uh, so I think she got a double mm. hat trick for Central Districts in the weekend and stuff. But look, I think the right players are there. There's a mixture of youth and experience. Um, it's just especially for the one days. It's a matter of being a bit patient and building at innings, especially with the batting. Um, I'd, I would like to see more energy in general in the field. I would say in general, um, in the one uh, the 2020 series, Pakistan probably had it over them in the field. Um, and I just think that's an intensely mm. energy thing again. It's not a lack of skill. So, um, yeah, look, a lot to play for. I think with the bowling, it's just keeping simple plans and bowling to fields and not giving them any width, really. I was just having a look at the uh, forecast for Queenstown. Feels like seven degrees apparently. Uh, moderate to high winds. Uh, no, no rain in the forecast, but it is going to be overcast. Uh, what do you feel like the conditions are going to do? And, and have you had, had a chance to have a look at the pitch? Yeah, I mean, I've been ground announcing um, all the series and stuff, so I managed to uh, go out and have a wee look at the pitch on uh, the other day, the last twenty twenty, and it just looks like a belter to me, but. I mean, the condition is just dealing with wind. I mean, it's no, no different than playing in Wellington, really. <laughs> um, but look, I think, you know, everyone sees subcontinent teams struggle with the with the cold and the wind and stuff like that, but that hasn't seemed to hamper Pakistan. So, you know, it is game on, but it looks like a belt of a pitch, and you actually get, um, you, get you know, uh, runs as a, as a nice outfield as well, very quick. Um, so I think with the key for the white things with their batting is to gap it better. I think a lot they're playing some lovely shots straight to fielders, so that's one thing to work on. Meli Kerr taking the captaincy in the third T20 with no Sophie Devine and Leah Tahuhu not playing either. Do you think we'll see more of this, trying to put more emphasis on our young players? I think it paid dividends. Yeah, well, I mean, Meli is the future. Everyone sort of knows that. I mm. think it's, it's a given. It's just a matter of uh, when. Um, you know, Sophie 
Sophie was um, out with um, with a, just being rested, really, um, and having, a, I think, understandably, a cortisone in, uh, injection in her knee, but she'll be a rip round to go today. Look, And so, you know, while Sophie's there, Melee keeps um, supporting and learning and takes opportunities when it's there. But, uh, yeah, I did see a bit more intensity in the field, and especially the young ones, I think, really celebrating their wickets. Um, when Neely mm. was captaining, but look, you know, Soph's a quality player. She's one of the stars of the WBBL. Um, just like to see her convert that into the White Sands a bit more often as well. I was interested. You, you mentioned Lee Casper. She has been um, going absolute, uh, absolute great guns, uh, particularly with the ball in domestic cricket, and been doing so for a long time. Um, why do you mm-hmm. think she's not in this Black Caps team? Uh, Black Caps team, White Ferns team, I should say, uh, because she seems to, you know, uh, she's got the experience behind her, and she's been in form for really the last two seasons. Yeah, definitely, she does have a lot of history behind her. I suppose the tough thing is, is there are quite a lot of spinners. Well, if you look at the spinners currently in the White Ferns, obviously there's Mealy who does something different than Lee anyway. Um, she's probably competing with Eden Carson, who is actually doing quite a good job, and they've obviously invested in the young one coming through. Um, I can't see why they can't have you know four spinners in their side. I know they've used Susie Bates every now and then to bowl a few little offies, but I think Lee offers a lot more than that. And she offers stuff with the bat as well. She's scoring consistently for Wellington too. So... Look, she is an unassuming player, um, but she is crafty, and it, she, I think she's definitely worth you know, having a look at in the side. I probably uh, can it to someone like um, Amanda J. Wellington, who can't make the Australian team, but you know, is one of the stars again in the WBBL and other franchise cricket around the world. So, yeah, look, I think what Lee needs to keep doing is just performing, and there are some opportunities, I think, with um, development 11s and, um, you know, um, Invitational 11s playing against um, touring teams as well, so hopefully she'll get some opportunities there. We look at uh, Sophie Devine and Susie Bates. I mean, they're great players, been great servants for the White Ferns and for New Zealand cricket, but obviously not getting any younger. What do you make of mm. what is coming through uh, when they eventually do need replacing? How do you think the White Ferns are placed? Yeah, oh, look, um, they will be very hard to replace, but I um, mean, if for me, I'm obviously out of this side at the moment is the likes of Brooke Halliday, who, who for me offers a lot for the future and especially being a left-handed bat. Now we don't have any with um, Amy Satterthwaite not playing. Um, so the likes of her, I, I feel for some, the likes of Georgia Plimmer, um, who's basically learning her craft while she's at international level and hasn't really got a chance to cement her place even at domestic level. But um, she scored a really good 140 for Wellington Blaze a few weeks ago, so she is looking promising, but it's been a tough introduction for her, and then obviously Maddie Green's done invested a lot in her, and she's starting to step up more on a regular basis, so her and Mealy at the top somewhere would, would be the way to go. Um, I know Lauren Down in the past from Auckland Hearts, she was one that they were looking at for opening, um, I think she's just had a baby, so hopefully she might come back, um, but I see her as a very talented player as well, so Look, they have got some depth. I suppose it's just um, trying to get them to play at a top top level more regularly. And um, other countries get to do that when they pick for WPL and WBBL and the 100 and all that sort of stuff. We're only really our top two players, the same ones. It's always Neely and uh, Sophie and quite often Susie pick for those teams. So the more international exposure some of those those other players get, even if they're going over to play you know, in Australia, I think that's a good, a good thing for them.
Well, we head into the longer format of the game. We just played T20s, ODIs, 50 overs. Um, what do you want to see today from a batting perspective and who, who really needs to step up and put some runs on the board? Yeah, well, all the top order need to step up and do their job. That is why they are in the top order. So yeah. um, you can't expect them all to perform at the same time. But, you know, someone needs needs to score, a, a, you know, a decent a ton um, or a, at least mm. two people in the high, above the high 50s. Um, someone in the top order, it's pretty basic as we used to be. Someone in the top order needs to be near there and cemented through the mm. end of the innings and so they can build a platform to have a launch. Um, but I think the key is is to actually get yourself in on the wicket, um, mm. which sometimes, um, and especially I think that's the playing of the diet of 2020 cricket, is um, all the fancy shots come out early and you know probably just, just go back to the basics earlier on in your innings and get yourself in and play straight and play it's full on its merit because... No, they do have time. Maya, just before we let you go, mate, I know you've got a busy day ahead of you, but uh, I, I look at the White Fern schedule and I see after this three-game ODI series, there's no games until March, at which time we go to England and play, uh, or we welcome England, uh, who are obviously one of the best teams in the world. I don't know what sort of lead-up mm. we'll have to that, but why is there such a gap in the White Fern schedule? Do you know? Um, I do know that Super Smash is starting, so um, that sort of takes is taken up over late December, um, most of January. Um, I'm just sort of wondering, I was trying to have a look the other day, is, is there a Rose Bowl series in there against Australia slipped in somewhere in between um, in, in February? But look, you know, England are a very classy side, so you need to get some, internet, um, some really um, hard cricket behind them, so... Yeah, not sure on on the on on the total schedule myself, but Super Smash is probably the next focus for most. Good stuff, Maya. Listen, thanks very much for coming on today. Uh, enjoy Queenstown and uh, have a great time. Enjoy that game, eh? Thanks, Maya. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Maya Lewis there with us, uh, former White Fern, on the on the mic duties as well at Queenstown today. Live coverage of that game here on SENZ from ten thirty this morning couple of minutes away from 8 o'clock it is the tradies hour here on SENZ. Start your morning with a hell of a coffee from just $4.50 from night and day. Plenty of texts coming through too. Is he double eight double three? Uh, this one on Solomon Alamalo saying he can't uh, this is Goose saying he came to play club rugby league in Christchurch for Hornby this season because mm. the Chiefs wouldn't let him play league in the Chiefs region. That's from Goose. Goose let us know how you went mate. If you've got any idea, give us a call 0800 or double eight double three. Did it go all right? You think you can transition into the NRL from what you saw? Let us know. Yeah, it's, it's, you're doing the hard yards playing in Hornby, mate. That's that's real grassroots mm. rugby league. You definitely find, uh, find a bit out about yourself uh, doing that. Uh, Pete has said this. Alamalo hasn't achieved anything of note in New Zealand rugby. Not sure why everyone's so excited. He flattered to deceive despite having all the skill and physical attributes. He's had he's shown no loyalty to any team. He's had more clubs than Lydia Co. That that feels a bit harsh. <laughs> I think that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Like he's had a lot going on in his in his life, and this is another opportunity. So I reckon watch him, Pete, and give him give him a chance. Give him a nudge, mate. Give him a chance. Uh, here's Arahawa with news for Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now.
Kia ora, good morning and welcome into Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. It is four past eight on the show this hour. Paul Mawate is going to join us out of the TAB at his usual spot. Uh, we'll also catch up with Smithy ahead of the cricket. The White Ferns in action against Pakistan in their first ODI. Out of Queenstown, live coverage here on SENZ from 10.30 on that one as well. And uh, Goose has replied to you, Izzy, on double eight double three. He said, I can't call, sorry, but Solomon went really good on the wing at league. Too fast and too powerful at that level. Too fast, too powerful. A bit like our best Paul that we're going to get on in this hour, this, which is coming up. Too fast, too powerful. I'm looking forward to watching Solomon. I think he uh, give him a chance, and he might uh, he might thrive. Looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's exciting. I hope he uh, hope he makes it, he cracks it, and then we get to see him run around in the NRL. Yet another Kiwi who uh, who knows might even go for rep honours, even though he couldn't quite make the All Blacks. It is five past eight, and Paul Cole, the elusive Paul Cole, joins us now. G'day, Paulie. <laughs> uh, congratulations on the big win. Morning, boys. Good to speak to you again. Cozy. 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 <laughs> Jesus, it's been a big few months, hasn't it? Here you go, mate. Yeah, mate, it's been um it's been a wicked few months for me, eh? Just you know, coming off the back of a tough season. Um it's been a a nice reminder of um, you know, what, what playing squash and enjoying it feels like. I'm not gonna lie, I had my alarm set at seven fifty eight this morning, but um we're here, we made it, so <laughs> Oh, look, mate, you're, you're hot property at the moment. Everyone's a piece of Paul Cole, but you're not the only one in the family who's succeeding, mate. You would have had nerves watching your fiance Nelly go up against her sister. Tell us about that little little romp there that they had going on, mate. I was watching it going, wow, we, how do you get up for this when you're playing against your sister? Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty cool, isn't it? Um, you know, you've got two sisters <laughs> from Belgium, and squash is not really that, that big there, so it's a cool story, but. At the same time, you know, playing your sister in a in a big final is obviously pretty tough. Mm. They they know how to get each get under each other's skin, and um, but yeah, I mean, they've played two two of their biggest finals in the last um, month. So for them both, it's pretty cool. And they had their mum over here visiting New Zealand as well. So um, the whole story is pretty cool. And you know, I think they well, Naila definitely enjoyed it um, hard on on, on Tinder, but um, you know, it's a cool story at the same time. So. You know, really stoked for her. She's playing her career best form as well. So happy days uh, in the family at the moment. Colsey, it's, it's been a big couple of months. You had the US Open win, you had the Hong Kong win, you've now had the New Zealand Open win, which is the first time your name will go on that trophy, mate. Uh, talk to us about this last couple of months. For you personally, what does it mean to win your home Open? Yeah, mate. Um, start of the season, I I actually planned, um, you know, my training around these events, uh, especially New Zealand Open. It's not one of the biggest ones on tour, but for me, it's definitely one of the biggest ones. Just what it meant to me and um, having my whole family there watching and be able to win a tournament with them there was really special uh, for me. Obviously, you know, they only get, ever get to watch me online, really. So uh, not only to, to play in front of them, but to also get a win and be able to share that moment with them, obviously. These are some of the best moments in, in our career, and um, they they miss every every one of them. So to be able to you know have that win with them and um, celebrate with them was was pretty special. So like I said, I I planned um, you know my training around for this, and obviously when I won Hong Kong, it was made it pretty tough actually. What <laughs> didn't really sort of messed up my plan for New Zealand Open, but um, we come back and we got the win, and um, you know 
atmosphere in there was crazy, but there's no way I wasn't going to get up for that. It was it was pretty hard, Yakka. I, I think I landed a day and a half before I played. So, um, <laughs> but the crowd was amazing. There's a thousand odd people in there going nuts for me, so it was wicked. Paul, uh, it's a great initiative from uh, New Zealand Squash. Eh? This New Zealand Open, the way that they've they've designed it, the fields they're attracting as well. I mean, how do the how do the fields uh, stack up against you know some of the other big tournaments you play in? It's it's unbelievable what they're they're doing. It's um, the way they structure the the event, not only to get top players here, but the way they have the junior event on before. So we've got all New Zealand top juniors floating around the event, meeting the idols, um, watching top squash, learning. You know, hopefully motivating them. It's just it's so good for the organisation to do it that way. I think more tournaments should do that way to help squash grow and they get the youngsters involved and you know you see them floating around you know you're signing and taking pictures with all these young kiwis and um you know they're absolutely loving it so and for them to see you know Ali Farag and um, Muhammad El Shabagi and all the top guys as well for them it's like senior idols and meeting idols so you know the organizations have done a, a wicked job and um doing it this way and structuring the event this way and uh, I think it's just an awesome initiative from from everyone involved um at the event how strong is New Zealand squash? I mean, you know, we, we obviously, we've got the headline makers, um, but uh, underneath that, it's kind of sometimes hard to, to have a barometer of what's next. I mean, have you seen mm. the next Paul Cole? Are you pretty confident we're going to have some some people coming through that can uh, can replicate your sort of uh, achievements? It's pretty tough, eh? Because for the last six years, we haven't really had a national coach, so there's been no structure in place for these juniors to come through and since July, we've we've had our first national coach again, and he's starting to put in structures. And we definitely have the numbers there to um to find the next sort of player. But like I said before, they haven't really been taught squash, and um, we have a lot of natural athletes in New Zealand, which is great. And just speaking to um some of the, the international guys here, they they can't believe when they come to New Zealand how much um people know what squash is and how much how much people love squash here. You know, they they. They're just at the cafes and they're getting, you know, talking about squash with just random people. So um, the sport's definitely loved in New Zealand and there's definitely enough people playing it. So now we've got that sort of system in place. I'm I'm pretty excited to see what the next few years can bring. And, you know, with these festivals of squash and, um, you know, some people playing on the pro tour, it's exciting what we, what we can do. And I'm um, just looking forward to the next sort of few years, what we can build. When you look at the rankings, Paul, you've got, you know, Egypt's flags flying everywhere. You got the UK, uh, England flag. Uh, you've got the French flag. You got the Welsh flag for Joel Macon, and then there's a little old lonely New Zealand flag. How were you able to crack it? Like you're on your own up there in the big time. You're ranked number three at the moment. Like, like what, what can you put that down to to be able to make and have success that you've been able to have without any support? Um, yeah, I mean, I get looked after pretty well. I'm never going to say I'm, I'm not supported, you know, they're, yeah. they're really good to me. And um, it's tough, though, yeah. mate. Um, it's very tough. Mm. Like, last season especially was a um, a really tough season for me. And I think it's just keeping my head on track, you know, learning how to deal with the losses when you're away and missing family and missing home. And yeah. um, I remember you, you telling me you, know, you had one of your worst seasons and then your next season was the best. And I sort of feel like at the moment, you know, last season was a... A real tough one for me, and I was struggling, and mm. I thought it lost lost why I played squash and lost the enjoyment of squash, and I really got it back this season. I feel um, even if I didn't get these wins that I've had, obviously it makes it easier to enjoy it, doesn't it? But if I didn't get these wins, I sort of um, you know got back to why I was playing squash and got back to the enjoyment of 
the process and training and stuff like that. So it makes a big difference when you're traveling the world loving it um, as opposed to traveling the world hating what you're doing. So it's easy when you're, you've got that sort of clarity of why you're doing the sport and, mm. you know, training and focusing on the right things and um, not getting too caught up in, you know, uh, the whole winning aspect of everything. So, yeah, mate, it's a lonely world out there. I'm very lucky I travel <laughs> with my fiance. Um, but, yeah, I got, I got great support from family and friends back home. So, um, yeah, it's a tough old world, though. You never find a harder worker than you, Colsey. Obviously, you put in the work. Um, have you changed much with the way you you train, like your routines? You know, have you pinpointed something that you've you've done in the last month, couple of months, to be able to get this success? Um, yeah, I'm actually um, I'm constantly changing my my swing. Um, hopefully for the better. Um, but yeah, I've done a bit of uh, technical changes. Yeah, I've done a bit of technical changes the last last couple of months. Um, so I'm still working with my coach, but I've, I've brought a new coach. It's um, not that drop shot, is it? <laughs> that one that I got you on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just constantly thinking, mate. That's what I enjoy, and that's the you know that's why I got back to just trying to improve um, every day, and that's the sort of mindset I got back to. So um, yeah, mate, I'm, awesome. I'm, I'm I get told off for changing too much, you know. Um, <laughs> they just want me to to stick to it, but that's what I love doing, man. So um, that's what I that's what I'm uh, sticking to at the moment. Is it, is it, does that explain why you had a bit of a rough 2022? You had too much focus on your golf game and you stopped being risty. <laughs> <laughs> I was training for this big match with Izzy, mate. That's what got in the way. Um, but anybody, he reckons he had his knee surgery or something, excuse like that. So I got postponed. Well, I hear, because I had a message on my golf group chat, that one and only Paul Cole is coming to play golf on the 20th at Clearwater. It's on. It's on, mate. It's on. It's finally on. I'll be there. <laughs> what are you willing oh, to mate, put up, Colsey? Looking... Is it, are you pay, paying for ten a hole? Or, or, mate, I mean, he's that... off a scratch. I'm not planning money for him. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a, a hell of a couple of... Hey, just quickly, tell us a bit about this team event that uh, we've got going on at New Zealand Squash Open. Uh, we just got over Korea last night. Bit of a scare there. Yeah, so we've got World Team Championships um, kicked off yesterday. So um, mm. the, boy, the boys gave me a rest uh, and they got the job done against Korea. And we've got last pool match tonight and then... Uh, we're into the round of 16. So that win against Korea put us in, in the round of 16. Um so yeah, last pool match tonight to see who we play for for the sort of playoffs, and um, starting Thursday we'll have round of sixteen, then um, see how we go from there. So it's a, a good bit of um, good bit of baptism of fire for the young boys. A couple of them are sort of getting their test debuts, so um, it's exciting to see what we can do, and it's going to be a good week of squash. They're looking forward to it. Who's uh, who are we looking to to take it out against? Like who are the form form nations going around in the team event? Uh, so you've got Egypt, obviously, um, top yep. of the tree, and then Egypt, uh, England at two. So of um, the El Shabagi brothers uh, converted from Egypt to England, so that now represent England. Yeah. So they're pretty strong as well, actually. So you've got those two at the top, and then um, France and Switzerland are three and four. So yeah, you, you never know. We'll obviously um, give it our all and try and make uh, Aotearoa proud. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, Colsey, you're in the country. How long are you here for, mate? And when when are you jet setting off on your another adventure? 
Yeah, so uh, after we finish this week and then got the big match next Wednesday at Clearwater, um, I'll shoot over to Greymouth and spend a, spend a couple of weeks down there as a family and shoot off uh, January 5th back to Europe and start preparing for the, the second half of the season. Beautiful, mate. I'm looking forward to catch up with you, Colsey. It's been a, a long time between drinks. I think the last time we caught up was when I tried to uh, play a bit of squash there in Tauranga and it was all pear, went all pear-shaped. I've still got the squash racket, so we'll go out for a hit, mate. But thanks so much for your time. We're always proud of you, brother, and uh, keep continuing on flying that flag. And well done to your, your fiancé as well, mate. Great uh, weekend for both of us. Thanks, brother. Appreciate the phone call. See you soon. Yeah, we appreciate the phone call. Didn't appreciate the alarm at 7.58, though, is he? Yeah, well, I was on him. I was on him. He, he's a hard man to track down, wasn't he, old poor Carl? Carl's he he? He he's was. got more phone numbers than any athlete I've ever met. Like, really? I'm texting him at the moment, moment on his hotmail address. I don't know what's happening there. And then he sent through, <laughs> I, I messaged him, should we ring you this number? And he goes, oh, no, I'll ring this number. 029? I'm like, who has an 029 number? Paul Cole. <laughs> Paul Cole, that's, he's, got, he's got his own mobile network now. That's that's what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah, mate. But awesome, mate. Uh, he's had a very uh, successful last couple of months. US Open, Hong Kong Open, to come back and win it at home and just getting an understanding how much that really meant to him and, and his family to do it on his own backyard and with his fiance. So... Interesting here that he's changed up a few things in terms of swing technique. You, you know, mm. remember what it did to Lydia when she went away from, you know, the the swing that won her plenty at the start of her career. You don't want to adjust too much, do you? Well, I did wonder. You know, thinking about when you play squash and it's very forearm, mm. right? To go into mm. golf, what you were talking about in the swing, how yeah. playing a lot of golf might affect his squash game because your muscle you memory and things that like what it does to you. Do you reckon he's uh, he, he played a bit too much golf during that last well, couple of years? I, I know I joked. Game. I know I joked about it, but I mean, from a physiological and a mental point of view, as an athlete, mm. when you've got all that muscle memory invested, and in, you know uh, a, a squash a squash swing, if you like, or or the way you mm. hit a, a hold a racket, hit a squash ball, and then trying to change it up to play golf, it's quite different. Yeah, could be could be a point, but. Um... He's a very good golfer. He's a very, very good golfer, and I'm going to get embarrassed next Wednesday, but looking forward to it. And just on golf, and, mm. and athletes that have a crack at it, Geordie Barrett shot 67 last week. I shot Five six, under. I shot 67 once, but that was just the front <laughs> nine. <laughs> <laughs> he shot 67. He is an absolute flusher, man. Geordie Barrett, so good. That is outstanding. That's outstanding. I, I think there's more chance we lose him to live than to NRL. <laughs> could be, could be the case. Hey, eh? he's. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's competing in a couple of pro events. I oh, know it's different, but he'd be a whole lot more competitive than uh, my hundred at the Charles Tour last year. Anyway, so give him a crack, mate. You just made everybody else feel better. You know that's that's what I love about you, is he? You're always giving and making sure everybody else is feeling good about themselves. Put my ego on the hook, mate. I went out there, embarrassed myself, and never do it again. TJ Piranara messaged me, he said, don't ever do that again. I said, what? Embarrassed rugby. Okay. Oh, Sorry. TJ, <laughs> bringing the heat. Bringing the heat. And it's 19 past eight. You're listening to Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. Thanks to Chemist Warehouse, keeping you healthy this summer. It is 8.24 here on SENZ. Izzy and Kempi for breakfast. 0800 150 811 or double eight double three. We were talking earlier, Izzy, in the show, uh, part of the triple threat 
Kerry, uh, the skull, as they as they call him. Um, O'Keefe, uh, talking about his disappointment about the lack of love shown for cricket in the lead up to summer, saying he thinks Australian fans have fallen out of the out of love with the game and. We kicked around a few ideas as to why that might be, um, mainly about the Australian players not being very likable. But then mm-hmm. we got talking about in- investment for fans and things, and, and that turned into a super rugby chat about getting those fans back. And um, mm. plenty of people have plenty to say on this. Uh, Kenny texted us through. He said, look, best way to get fan engagement would be to run a national or even trans-Tasman's Sevens Super Comp alongside mm. Super Rugby. Curtain raises Sevens game, then the same teams, different players play 15s, would get people along to games and add value for people buying tickets. That's pretty much what you spoke about a couple of weeks ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, similar idea. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Well, something like that would, you know, would be would be great for sure. Get more games, more entertainment on, on this on on the pitch, and it's another idea. They're going to do it with Super Rugby Old Picky. Hopefully, that will draw a few more numbers to the stadiums with a couple of double headers. But I, uh, you, I think you look at the way the Warriors go about it, and we I hate comparing NRL to to rugby, but that's basically what we go on. At the entertainment at the stadium, it's simple, but it's it's really effective. Like they have all those funky lights, the music plan. You got fans that are totally different to rugby fans. They are into it. They got drums. They're vocal. They're loud. Is this just stadium entertainment? Is that basically what's stopping people from going? You know, value for money that that's on offer. You want to go to a stadium knowing that you're going to get more than just the product of rugby. I know pro- the product pays a lot. Is is a big part of it as well, and that's probably faltering at the moment. I think there's more to it than that because you know what creates mm. the atmosphere at the Warriors isn't the funky lights or the good music; it's the fans, mm. right? Mm. The fans create the atmosphere; they create the vibe. They were singing their own songs. It was almost like a, a football crowd in a way, uh, yeah. in, a, in a lot of yeah. ways. And I think that speaks to. A, fa- a fan base that loves their team and is connected yeah. to their team, and I don't okay. think you have that same connection to Super Rugby teams. Is that just community-driven projects? Is that going to get the fans back? Is that fan engagement, access to the players? Do you want more access to to seeing your your stars? You know, is it a competitive comp? Is it the competition in itself? Is it just? Weakened and and not enjoyable at the moment because of New Zealand's dominance in Super Rugby. Like what is it? I think it's there's so many bullet points that I've jotted down that play a big part in of it. But I think the reality is is that people don't have engagement with their teams. Crusaders they probably do to an extent. The Chiefs they do to an extent. Like people are still connected to their teams. But are they die-hard fans? Nah, probably not. No, I don't think they are. I don't, and I, I'm not. I can't quite put my finger on what it is the Warriors do so well. But it feels mm. like the players for a lot of those real connected fans, those players are your friends. It feels like you know them, and I don't get the feeling the that same feeling from say the Blues. Yeah, I, I think a big part of it is the Warriors are New Zealand's team. Yeah, that's our premier NRL team, so they're going to get a fan base from everywhere in New Zealand, whereas for Super Rugby, it's kind of individualised to certain areas. So you're going to, you know, the the pressure's on there to try and encourage and and galvanise these 
these areas to be a part of it. Ah, man, it's 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 a big problem. They've started a Super Rugby board, and it's been established. The big wigs from rugby down in the Southern Hemisphere have come together. They've put a lot of things like I've done with my whiteboard on the whiteboard, whether yeah. that can be enough. It's only words at the moment. They need to hire a new CEO with a marketing background and and main focus trying to encourage people to be in this this team. I, I definitely think we need to expand the competition, get Japan into it, bring Japanese rugby into this competition, make it bigger, more competitive, bring their budgets, their their money, their dollar into the comp, you know, and, and that's a start. Yeah, well, I mean, you even saw it this weekend, right? I mean, somebody texted through about mm. it yesterday. I mean, the Kobe Steelers beat a team 82-15. So there's obviously a dis- disparity in Japan. Are those top teams going to be looking for more competition? Is now the right time to hit them up? Uh, because there were some big blowouts in uh, Japanese League One rugby over the weekend. I think they, mm. like you say, need to get them in, get another TV market, more sponsorship dollars. And, it, you know, yep. we've said it uh, before, but I'll say it again. Allowing players, if they if those teams become part of Super Rugby or whatever we're going to call it going forward, allow those players to play in Japan mm. or for the Australian teams and still be able to be selected for the All Blacks. Takes the financial pressure off NZR and still keeps the players within our competition. Totally agree. Totally agree. Man, there's some people out there. Come on, guys. They were singing because they were winning. Let's see a normal Warriors season. Oh, look, I think that's a bit harsh too because the Warriors, when they've struggled, people are up in arms and up in, you know, the, the, the straw because of what what's happening. But when they start winning, you can get a real understanding of when the where, how big the Warriors fan base is. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Even when they're not winning. Faithful fans out there. You know, the, the Blues in a middling season where they make the playoffs are averaging, what, six, 7,000 crowd? The Warriors, mm. when they're having a rubbish season, are still getting 12, 12 and a half. Mm. You know, that's yeah, I've got a big fan base. They've got a big fan base. So anyway, keep your text rolling through. Double eight double three. We have the text of the day promo thanks to Chemist Warehouse, a fragrance pack. Two be one today. You'll find the perfect gift for your loved ones this Christmas at Chemist Warehouse. Here's Araha with news for Kubota. Kubota's in stock catalogue is out now. 27 away from 9 o'clock. Check out the Grand Tour, harbortab.co.nz. Bet safely. R18, Paul Mawadi from the TAB with us. Morning, Paul. Yeah, morning, Ricardo. Morning, it. Yeah, Paulie. Paulie, I'm just having a look at the cricket. We had uh, Myra on before, and we're talking about this game today. The first ODI takes place down in Queenstown. I'm looking at the power plays. There's a couple of juicy ones out there. I think this is an absolute doozy. Amelia Kerr, 50-plus runs, plus three plus uh, and three wickets for six bucks. How the punters gone? Have they had a wee dabble at the White Ferns? Yes, they certainly have. And look, I can. Yesterday I had a look at this uh, market, and I think Pakistan mm. were around three dollars and seventy-five cents. They're now drifted out to four dollars and thirty cents. Uh, the white ferns are into a dollar nineteen. Um, mm. I don't know. Are, are the bookies showing the Pakistan women enough respect here? Didn't they just win the T Twenty <laughs> series? But, um, mm. So I I struggle to see. Um, this greater separation between the two teams at the moment now. The White Ferns might go out today and absolutely smash the Pakistan women, but the $4.30 just looks like some serious, serious value for mine. So I'm very, very happy to take that at the moment. Uh, as Izzy alluded to, there are a number of power plays uh, that punters can get stuck into. Uh, I can tell you that Susie Bates, Sophie Devine and Amelia Kerr 
that each scored yeah. 30 runs or more at $5 uh, has been uh, very, very popular with punters. There's also a boosted market uh, on that match as well. Amelia Kerr, 30 runs and three plus wickets. That's four out to 475. She is, uh, uh, well, she's come off a very, very good, um, what was it, Super Smash over in Australia for the Brisbane Heat. Um, so she's playing very, very well. But in the New Zealand women top run scorer market is where we've seen a wee bit of movement. Um, Sophie Devine is now 375 to be uh, New Zealand's top run scorer. Uh, and you could have got her at around $5 yesterday. Susie Bates, who is now the favourite to be the top run scorer for the White Ferns at 350 um, she was out uh, around $4 yesterday. And Amelia Kerr has drifted slightly from 350 up to 360. So there's been a wee bit of movement in that top run scorer market for the New Zealand woman. Of course, uh, the cricket continues, I think, Sunday, isn't it? The first uh, match for Bangladesh here in New Zealand in the white ball format. Uh, how's that market shaping up, Paul? Um, I'm just having a look. I don't think the boys have got that out uh, just yet. Uh, Ricardo, yeah, no, I'm having a look at everything that we've got. The only one-day international we've got up at the moment is the Zimbabwe-Ireland match, um, which starts at quarter past eight tomorrow night, our time. Zimbabwe, slight favourites here at $1.78, the Irish at $1.95. Um, and, of course, the Australians uh, kick off their home test uh, series, well, test summer, uh, against Pakistan, and they are at $1.26. Um, Australia in that first test match against Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan 640, the draws at $6.80 uh, in terms of the top run scorer for the first innings. Steve Smith, the favourite for the Australians at 375, with Manus Labashane at $4, and Ushman Kawaja uh, rounding out the top three in that market at $4.50 in terms of the Pakistanis. Baba Azam is the favourite at $4 and has seen a wee bit of action as well. Beautiful. Well, we talked a bit of football Champions League this morning. Uh, <clears throat> the game, Manchester United, Bayern Munich. Bayern Munich, favourites. Where's the money gone? Anyone leading us into potentially get us paid there, Paulie? Yeah, look, there's been a few uh, nibbles at the draw at 375 in that big Champions League uh, matchup tomorrow morning between Manchester United and Bayern Munich. Because Bayern already threw. Uh, to the next stage, and Man United, well, they need somewhat of a small miracle um, to make it through. They'd need to beat <laughs> Bayern and then hope that Copenhagen and Galatasaray uh, draw their match. So there's a few things that have to happen for Man U to make it through to the next stage of the Champions League. I don't see it happening myself. I know Ricardo will have his fingers crossed, and he'll be hoping that something uh, um, really, really cool happens. But the way they've been playing at the moment, I just can't see it myself, and There'd be nothing more uh, that uh, Bayern Munich would love to, but to knock Man U out of the Champions League. So, yeah, money for the draw at the moment at 375. Look, uh, Man U aren't without their friends, and the 275 on them to win that match has also seen uh, a wee bit of money flow that way. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's fairly evenly spread across uh, all three options in that head-to-head. Yeah, mate, I, honestly, I looked at this market and I was like... I'm a United fan, but Bayern at 220 looks like you're giving money away. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
maybe that'll be a little bit of insurance for you, Ricardo, if you back the Germans um, and they win. You'll get a wee bit, a few dollars in your pocket. Yeah, or maybe, maybe. We'll have to have to see what sort of team they put out because, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. We I don't know if you heard Dan O'Hagan. He's a Bundesliga commentator, world feed guy, and does Champions League. He He's predicting they rest Harry Kane tomorrow, so I'm not sure what sort of buy-in team we We'll see. So might, may, maybe wait until we see uh, what sort of buying team comes out, mate. But uh, uh, <laughs> I would suggest they don't need their top team to beat Man, uh, beat Man U at the moment. Well, you might not be too far wrong, Paulie. You might not be too far wrong. Um, is he? Paulie, tomorrow, Hastings, you've been on a bit of a roller, a roll at the moment. So have you got anything for tomorrow? And I'm looking at one of the races. Race seven. There's a horse with its first start, and get this. I can't pick my nose at the moment, so I'm going to go on names. It's called Up, up the Wires. Up the Wires. <laughs> 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 oh, how good. I'm picking that. Yeah, yeah well, it's paying $11 at the moment. Jonathan Park's on board. It's got a handy gate, tra- trained by Fraser Allred. Um, had a win at the trials as well, so... Um, mm. Not the worst. Um, I, I'm not going to tip it out for you, but I'll let you know where the money's going uh, tomorrow morning okay. in terms of uh, what's happening at Hastings. All right. Okay. Yeah. So up the wires. It's going to run. It's going to start strong. It's going to lead long, and it'll ultimately finish third. Is that what we think? Cut it out, Ricardo. This is our year. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Paulie. Uh, I know we have uh, uh, Brett, who's a, a big fan of the show, listens all the time. He's a big Dolphins fan. Uh, they're in action today in the NFL as well. And big day for them. They get a win here. They could put themselves on track to be the number one seed out of the AFC. Yeah, and they're very, very hot favourites as well. They're 13.5 point favourites. They're a ten head to head, the Miami Dolphins against the Tennessee Titans. Um, there are a few. Uh, power plays there for uh, punters to get stuck into as well. I'm just having a look at the uh, first touchdown scorer market. Uh, Derek Henry, the uh, running back for the Tennessee Titans at $10. Uh, he's seen a wee bit of action, but most of it is all about the Miami Dolphins uh, and how uh, Tua Tungavailoa will go. Uh, Tyreek Hill, he's the uh, favourite to be the first touchdown scorer in that match later on this afternoon. He's at $4.50. Um, and their um, rookie running back, Devon Archain, at $6.50, also seen some money as well. So those two are the two best back in that first touchdown scorer market. Uh, Tyreek Hill at four fifty, and Archain at six fifty. Good stuff, Paul. Go well, mate. Have a great day. Cheers, Paul. Thanks, Ricardo. Have a good one, boys. Up Cheers. the wires. Up the wires, indeed. Check out all the odds, <laughs> promos and boosted odds on the Grand Tour Hub at tab.co.nz. Bet safely, R18. Do you we know are... what's going to happen now? What's going to happen now? That horse race is going to happen like you just said. I'm the it's oracle. It's going to start with a hiss and a roar, <laughs> and it's going to falter and come third. Oh, top three bet tomorrow, up the wires, paying three bucks. Get amongst it. Get amongst it. We are 18 away from nine. It is 13 away from 9 here on SENZ, and we do have a Chemist Warehouse fragrance pack to give away for the uh, text of the day because Chemist Warehouse given us one each day throughout uh, this week uh, to give away, and you'll find the perfect gift for your loved ones at Chemist Warehouse. And uh, we're going to give that uh, to Kenny, 
who actually he didn't even text. He called through earlier, didn't he? Is uh, mm. gave you a bit of stick. Uh, but then yeah, off- I don't know why we're giving it to him. Well, I think then because didn't he offer to help you out with your lawn? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he did. He did. He gave me a bit of advice, which I've got to get attempt next um, in the next couple of hours. But yep, well done, Kenny. So, there you go. There you go. Back. It's all about just sending your text through, and we have one of those to give away every day. And plenty of texts coming through as well. Troy from uh, Whanganui has texted through. He said, hey, boys, I agree with the chat on Super Rugby needing a revamp to freshen up the product. Marketing is key, but it's worth exploring adding proven concepts from other sports, such as a draft system, a, a, an in-season couple shield, and I'd love yeah. any rule changes that would open up the offensive game as fans love watching tries. Nothing sure. If nothing changes, it'll keep dropping away. Way. Love your show. Cheers. Yeah, I, I agree. Like some, you look at how successful the NBA in-game season, the NBA Cup was. Uh, it was it draw numbers, got fan engagement. You know, ran fairly shield, which uh, uh, what it once was probably isn't the same appeal it is uh, this these days. But still, it's something. So an in-season cup could be something different. Marketing is the key for sure, and. Well, that's the the idea. New CA with marketing background is apparently what they're all saying. So appreciate your message there. Uh, Troy, a couple uh, in regards to the Warriors. As as he says, Warriors are a one-nation team with high-energy South Auckland supporters like Tonga as basis. It's like the ABs plan every week. Agree on Japan and selection from competition to ABs. Could start like Europe rugby with local, then inter competition games that is from Neil appreciate that one Neil and another one from one of my good friends who is a diehard Warriors fan through and through day one the Warriors have always had a core loyal bunch of fans and the NRL competition has gone from strength to strength which has kept increased fan engagement especially with the four of off from rugby once had loyal fans however due to mismanagement by New Zealand rugby and oversaturation of sport and confusing rules fans have turned out, tuned out, and it'll be hard to get them back. League is a simple game, and it helps that the NRL club, uh, NRL is a club competition, which means you get local fans that have a connection with their team rather than a state. For me, fans of the NRL will only grow unless New Zealand rugby make mass changes. However, I can't see it up the was. That is from my mate Fats. Yeah, nicely said, Fats. Uh, keep those texts coming through too. Double eight, double three. Can you hear your ideas on all of that? Uh, uh, Pete, uh, who texted through, he wasn't a fan of uh, Solomon Alamilo, saying he, he hadn't had really done anything to, to uh, you know, sort of uh, garner the chat that's been had about him. Uh, he mm. said, fair call. It's a bit harsh, all right. But with his skill set, he surely should have made much more of his talent. That's my opinion for what it's worth. Yeah, definitely. Like, he was a very talented individual. I know he definitely went close in 2016, uh, had a standout season for the Chiefs, was on the radar, didn't eventuate, but I just think there was more happening in the background. Hopefully he's got everything in life sorted and he can go over there with uh, the pressure off him and and start fresh. Oh, there's going to be a lot of eyes watching him because of all the blow-up in the media, but this is a start for him. Hopefully we can see that talent flourish. Yeah, hopefully so. Uh, Warriors averaging good crowds in bad seasons is because lifelong supporters of other NRL teams will go watch them. NRL is a better, more even comp than Super Rugby. Uh, no name on that one. And Marcus said this through, Morning, boys. I remember back in the day going to watch Canterbury. It was exciting to go there. And from what I recall, food was cheap. And then there was the consistent Canterbury-Canterbury call throughout the game. The only other time I felt that excitement and vibe was at a Warriors game. And I've been to a few. So New Zealand rugby needs to somehow copy their example. 
I think that's what that whiteboard session would have been. It would have been copying the NBA, copying the NRL, just copy and paste things, what yeah. they're doing over in those competitions to try and uh, get something going. Look, we've always been leaders in innovation down here in New Zealand, but we've got comfortable now. We're doing a lot of the following, which is sad, but it's just the reality. Super Rugby is a dying product at the moment, and we need to reinvigorate it, mm, you know, revitalise. And, and a big part of that is, um, and I know hands are tied a wee bit, for, you know, because people talk mm. about NZR and the laws, but the laws come from World Rugby. Uh, and mm. basically, as long as that's run by England, it's just gonna it's it's gonna stay forward dominated and set piece dominated. Well, there you go, Sam McGregor, Fats from Hawks Bay. He said it's too confusing, and everyone you talk to, they don't understand what's going on. Twenty seven minutes ball and play during the World Cup, shambles, shambles. Loosen up the rules, make it more clear and precise, and and just let's have a game, ball and play. That's what it's all about. It's eight away from nine. Smithy up next. Couple of minutes away from nine o'clock, Smithy is with us. And Smithy, I understand you've got a uh, a truncated show today, mate. Has anybody uh, alluded the loading ramp? No, no, no. We've got a lot of work on uh, today. I've got uh, we've got uh, a Christmas show to put together straight after our show. Uh, I've got lawns to do. I've got, <laughs> mate. It's just. I mean, the golf clubs are are in the boot, but that's where they're going to stay until the new year. I mean, honestly, mate. It's just so much on. The older you get, uh, uh, Ricardo, it's it's a fallacy. The easier it gets, I tell you that. Oh, responsibilities. <laughs> You're sounding like Daniel. Uh, yeah, I've got a lot of responsibilities. <laughs> I am going to attempt to reseed, re-sow my lawn today, Smithy. I'm going to go get a scarifier, lawn scarifier down at local Kennards and come out here and and just put my handiwork to to good use. Uh, Just advice? ring KJ. K- yeah, ring KJ. Right? I know you're getting advice on the text machine. Ring KJ <laughs> from uh, Hamilton at the stadium okay. in Hamilton. KJ, mm. Keeper's Way. Okay. He might Keeper's give you a discount way? too. It was named after, you know, Wicked Keepers. Keeper's Way. Keeper's <laughs> Way. He's got the product. I don't even know I'm giving this endorsement, actually. But there you go. Ring KJ, your great mate from uh, Hamilton, looks after the Seddon Park and, of course, the rugby stadium there as well. So, And that is mint. You know that's mint. Okay. Thank you, Smithy. I will do that. And I'll, I'll, I might just attempt to do it because it's good for country clues if it all goes bear-shaped, which it most likely will, my friend. What, what else you got coming up on your show? <laughs> Uh, we're going to talk to David Bileski on uh, golf. Um, we haven't got a lot of time, oh. actually, today. We'll have a bit of talk back. We've got a multi to, to dish out. And uh, also, uh, we're going to have a, a chat with Stephen Hunt from the TAB. We'll have a stump smithy. And then we'll cross to Daniel McCarty uh, and co. Because the cricket's on today. It's the White Ferns mm. against Pakistan. Beautiful, Smithy. Have yeah. a great show. Enjoy. I see the house full sign-up has gone on the test against Aussie versus uh, at, at the Basin as well. So that's good news for New Zealand cricket. Day three. Yeah, the third day. That's Fun. interesting. Yeah, it is. Oh. I hope it goes that long. <laughs> <laughs> Here's Araha with the latest in news. Thanks to Kubota. Kubota's in-stock catalogue is out now.